Welcome to episode 62 of Football A Podcast. It's one of our favorites. This is Be the GM Mock Draft, where we pretend to be the GMs of these teams and say what we would do. Who would we draft in the first round? Not this is this is not a prognostication draft. This is what we would do: match our talent against the current GMs out there. I'm joined by both Bill and Matt. The whole gang is back together. What's going on, guys? Today is the day. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, I had a lot of fun doing this. Um, this is our th- this is our third year doing this. Yeah. Um, but last year in particular was fun. Um, I remember our sending Kayvon Thibodeau to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars with the first overall pick. This year, Bill receives the honor uh, of drafting for the Carolina Panthers with the first overall pick. He's been on the clock since yesterday. Um, and it's going to be interesting. Uh, we chose Bill for the first overall pick because – uh, it's clearly going to be a quarterback, and uh, you don't have to hear us go through, Zach and I go through our quarterback evaluations <laughs> all over again. So we're going to kind of get Bill's perspective on. Actually, Bill has like most of the quarterback needy spots, <laughs> so it's going to be really interesting. We're actually going to get like a pseudo quarterback ranking from Bill coming out of this process, and, and what I'm which like- I'm excited about. Yeah, and what I'm what I'm also excited about is is this year we've done where a person will take a team. So like I have the Seahawks, bo- both of their picks. I have both the Steelers picks, counting you know the thirty second pick, and then we've also divvied it up there so we can have a coherent strategy among you know different teams. Yeah, yeah. I actually have three picks from the Houston Texans, so that's <laughs> going to be a lot of fun. We're doing thirty three picks, uh, so each one of us gets eleven picks in total. Um, some ground rules for the listener. We're not doing trades. We're going to mention spots that may be, you know, nice trade down spots, but that's way too convoluted of a process to start projecting trades and doing all that stuff. So we're just going to pick them straight down the line. Awesome. So again, this is not a prognostication. This is not where we think the players will go. This is what we would do if Bill was the general manager of the Carolina Panthers, who would he take? If Matt was the general manager of the Houston Texans, who would he take? So on and so forth. So Bill, you're on the clock. Do you want to christen the third year of the BGM uh, draft? I do. So (laughs) to, to open it up, you know, stepping to the podium here, uh, the Carolina Panthers with the first overall pick in the 2023 draft uh, select Bryce Young quarterback, Alabama. Um, the reason for this particular selection, obviously Carolina traded up for a reason. They desperately, desperately need to reset the entire franchise. The best way to do that is with a uh, guy who's going to be a perennial all pro. He's my number rated number one rated quarterback. Um, he was extremely productive at Alabama, took home tons and tons of hardware, um, was efficient, can play well in the pocket, plays well in structure, but can also really make some special plays on the move. Uh, I think a, for a perfect face uh, for a franchise, um, and I think it's it's a I think it's a match made in heaven. I understand there are some concerns about the size, um, but. You know, he played in the SEC. It's not like he played in one of these gimmicky offenses. He played in a pro-style offense, and he was incredibly successful. Um, you know, he he threw um, 70, 79 touchdowns over the last two years um, compared to, I, I believe it was 12 interceptions. Hmm. So uh, very efficient, um, highly productive. Um, I think a, a match made in heaven uh, for the Carolina Panthers. 
I'm interested in why him versus CJ Stroud. Uh, the thing that I liked about him more was his decision making. I thought he was more consistent in that. Um, I do like Stroud. I love his accuracy, but I think for this particular spot, despite the size, I think that that size piece is really the only thing that I like about Stroud's game more than I like about Bryce Young's game. Um, so I think they're both very good players. I think they're both going to have very good careers, but I give the nod to the guy, um, that has been that productive in the best conference in the, in the, in the nation. And does Bryce Young become the automatically the best quarterback in that division? <laughs> that might be a little bit of a reaction, Honest, but probably. <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, who's, who's better than yeah. Bryce Young right now yeah. in that division? That's Think true. about it. I mean, um, well, maybe, you know, maybe and the thing are, that I, that I, I don't think so. Yeah, maybe. I disagree. <laughs> no, I, I think that Bryce Young is the best, including Derek Carr. I think Bryce Young is the best quarterback in that division. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think the the thing with him is, you know, he throws guys open um, and he really he really is is a creative playmaker, even when he is on the run. But he doesn't necessarily need to be on the run to make some of those special plays. He's a good distributor of the football, knows when to check it down, which is something that some of the other guys in this class that we can get into don't necessarily do naturally. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, if the only knock on him is his size, I mean, he was playing against the same size guys at Alabama. Uh, so I, I don't. Canley, I don't put a lot of stock in that. He gets a lot of comps to Russell Wilson. Um, I think he's better than than Russell Wilson at his best. Okay. So m m moving to number two, Matt, unless there's anything else you want to add there. Uh, now we can jump to number two. To the Houston Texans, everyone I think kind of assumes they're taking a quarterback. Are you going to? I am going to say that, that uh, I spent most of today grappling between quarterback an edge rusher. Okay. Um, I know that's another need that the Texans have. Um, there's a lot of great edge rushers. And so I am going to go with a quarterback. Um, and the real, the real rationale here is a couple different reasons before I reveal the pick. Um, the, I'm not going to go with an edge rusher because I've also got pick 12 and I've also got pick 33. Mm. This is a deep edge class. So if you listen to Bill and I evaluate the edge class, I can grab a really, really good edge rusher at one of those two other spots. There's only, in my opinion, three or four quarterbacks that are franchise caliber quarterbacks or have franchise caliber upside in this draft. Um, and I cannot risk waiting to 12 to try to grab one or, or even waiting to see if I could potentially get someone in the second round. I've got to pull the trigger right now. So I'm going to draft Anthony Richardson. Okay. He was my number two quarterback. Um, during Zach and I's um, quarterback evaluation episode right behind Bryce Young. So here's, here's a little bit of the rationale around Anthony Richardson. One, he's got the highest upside in the class, ideal size, ideal speed, um, fantastic thrower of the football, great arm, um, spins it, has uh, good accuracy from time to time. Now, I, I understand there have been some questions around his decision-making, Zach, that in our, in our episode. Um, but here's one of the things that I think is undervalued or maybe overlooked when it comes to Anthony Richardson's game. His best wide receiver during his time at Florida was Justin Shorter. 
If you don't know who Justin Shorter <laughs> is, no one else does either. Um, he just doesn't have a lot of tools around him. I don't think he had great protection either. Um, so I'm excited to put him into a situation where um, I can kind of try to build around this guy. There's a few pieces in in Houston that you know maybe we can start to work with. I know we need some wide receivers, but we brought Dalton Schultz in, so we've got a good safety net tight end. But the big thing about Houston is there's a solid offensive line in front of him. And when you look at some of the mistakes that Anthony Richardson made, some of his lowlights, um, a lot of that came from making decisions when under pressure, which Bryce Young made bad decisions under pressure. Tom Brady made bad decisions under pressure. Everyone kind of has to deal with some of that stuff. But when I look at Anthony Richardson, of anybody in this class, if I want to put the put my franchise on the shoulders of one quarterback in this class who has the potential to truly carry a franchise, it's Anthony Richardson. Um, he's a huge playmaker. He's absolutely dynamic. Um, he's quickly becoming one of my favorite prospects in this entire class. So I think if I want to add some excitement and some enthusiasm around the Houston franchise, we've got two more picks that we can maybe add some playmakers around him in the in the, the first two rounds. <clears throat> Yeah, so in terms of what I'm going to do with Davis Mills versus Anthony Richardson, I think this is something you have to evaluate within a quarterback competition. Um, I need to bring Anthony Richardson into camp, and I need to evaluate um, how quickly he can pick up the NFL game. So while I absolutely adore the dynamic playmaking ability, his ability to improvise, um, his arm strength, his accuracy downfield, you know, all the things that we love about this prospect to draft him at number two. Um, but I do need to see him, you know, in an NFL environment, how quickly can he pick it up? So um, what I would do is put him in a quarterback competition, evaluate who's the best player to help us win football games right now. If that's Davis Mills, great. If it's Anthony Richardson, fantastic. Um, so it could be a situation where either he's your day one starter or he could sit for a year and under, you know, learn, the under, learn the NFL game, pick it up, and then he you know, becomes your full-time starter in year two. Yeah, you know, I I like the pick. Richardson's also my number two. Um, you're gonna have to preach patience, though, and I and I think it's listen. It's not like the Texans are are threatening to to win the Super Bowl anytime soon. So I think this is a good environment for him. Um, he was only a one year starter uh, at at Florida, and you know, there's there's going to be a steep learning curve. He did not display, um, you know, a great ability to play within structure, but the but the intangibles, the athleticism are off the charts. Um, the best thing that he can hope for is a Josh Allen type trajectory. There are going to be struggles. There are going to be hiccups. You're going to need to remain patient with him. Um, but I think Houston's kind of the place where you can um, because the expectations are so low. Um, you know, and it may be a situation where uh, Davis Mills does look better in camp or something like that from a passing perspective. But honestly, if I'm Houston, I I just trot Richardson out and just give him as much experience and as much exposure as possible because that's what the Bills did with Josh Allen. Um, and I, it's it's going to take a couple of years, but his upside is unbelievable and you look at some of the plays that he made in college and they're they're mahomes ish you know they're they're you know weird side angle throws and and they're you know he's throwing dimes you know 50 60 yards down the field and you're just like wow that's this guy's incredible 
Um, but then you watch more of the tape and it's like, wait, dude, why don't you just like check that down? Or like, how did you miss that guy who's wide open? You know? So it's, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be a work in progress for a while, but his upside is, is well worth, uh, the second overall pick. And, and I won't, I think that situation, <clears throat> I'm yeah, sorry, again, it's a situation where you could, yeah, where you could see, um, you know, that year three Josh Allen breakout. Like I think Richardson could be that kind of guy. And and I won't say anything about the player because, you know, we record a podcast about that, but it's a tight needle to thread. The big concern I would have would be, you know, you take Richardson before CJ Stroud, every touchdown Stroud throws, and I'm not a huge fan of him either, but you know, it's like, Oh, it's like you're fa- You're inviting your fan base to kind of go, Oh, you know, look at what CJ Stroud did, did with XYZ team. Like, uh, and that's just something you, <clears throat> as you go into the draft, you have to be prepared for if you're the GM, you know, and I guess you could do that with every pick, but that's just, that. that's, that's my yeah. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Well, uh, awesome. So two quarterbacks off the board at the start, Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson. So we get to Zach's first pick, uh, Arizona Cardinals. Um, tell us what direction you're going here, Zach. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's so many holes on this uh, this roster, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And when you have this many holes, it just start at the foundations, you know, start at the studs, and um, <laughs> literally and figuratively. Um and, you know, is that a Jalen Carter? Is that a Will Anderson? Um, I think it's one of, I, I think it's one of those two. Car- Carter, the off-field stuff really does concern me, um, just from, like, a, a character standpoint. Um, you know, Devin Witherspoon, also interesting to look at here. Um, but I that's kind of, I feel like that's a little bit on the luxury side of things. You know, that you take a lockdown corner, high-end corner, when you have a lot of other things solved on your defense. But when you're this barren, you need someone that will, you know, attack the quarterback. You need someone who can stop the run, who's good all around, and in the trenches, too, where everything starts. So I'm going to take, probably to no surprise, Will Anderson. I mean, awesome size and strength. Um, you know, there's a little bit I, I don't know how much I love about him. I You know, I, I didn't really see how flexible he was in a lot of highlights that I watched, a lot of tape that I watched. Um, I don't know. I could be dead wrong on that. You guys might think I'm an idiot for saying it. But I, I, there, there's some things that I, uh, I'm not a huge fan of, but he is awesome. I mean, size, strength, motor's good. Every play he's after it. Um, so I'm going to go with Will Anderson. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a – I think – that's the best player available right now. Um, the first non-quarterback off the board, deservedly so. Um, you know, I, I think this is obviously a, a really intense trade-back type yeah. spot. Um, you know, and I, I ultimately think that the Cardinals, Cardinals do not pick in this spot. Um, but if they do stand pat, I mean, I think it's an easy pick uh, for, for Will Anderson. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that pick. Nice. Yeah, I think he's the most ready-made defender. Um, so if you're looking for a guy to be an, an instant impact contributor, I don't think he has the upside of some other edge rushers we'll probably talk about later in this class. But if yeah. you're looking for someone to come in and really change the culture of a defense um, that was you know pretty porous last year, uh, I think this is a good guy. You know, Will Anderson um, you know, can play well in terms of rushing the passer. He's strong against the run. Um, you know, I think he's absolutely, you know, ready-made, pristine prospect, um, absolutely worthy of the number three overall pick. Nice. Awesome. Well, okay. yeah, with that, we'll move to uh, Bill again with uh, Indianapolis. 
quarterbacks, quarterbacks, and more quarterbacks. <laughs> so the Indianapolis Colts uh, are another one of these teams like Carolina, like Houston, who basically have to come away with a signal caller uh, with their first with their first pick. Um, I think this pick is C.J. Stroud, mm. uh, quarterback from Ohio State. Uh, I think. You know he falls in into into my lap here. I think the Colts event if the Colts, um, I think the Colts will eventually try to trade up unless somebody tries to trade ahead of the of the Colts uh, with the Cardinals uh, for this particular pick. Um, you know it's Stroud. I I like a little bit less than the first two, um, but I still think he's going to be a, a very good pro. Um, there are concerns about that whole you know Ohio State system quarterback thing, and I you know I think there is some truth to that, both in terms of you know he was thrown to guys that were wide open, and he worked with some of the best wide receivers in in the country every year that he played. Um, but one of the things that sticks out to me, uh, especially in comparison to some of the other Ohio State quarterbacks that have come out, is his accuracy is is unparalleled, um, especially on those deep balls, like the deep touch. Um, he has the ability to to scramble, but he is comfortable, you know, more as a pocket passer. Um, but he has the ability to get outside if he needs to. Um, I think he's going to step in and have really good command of an offense. He's actually probably outside of of Bryce Young, the most pro ready quarterback in this class. I think it's a really good fit with Indianapolis because they do have some pieces uh, like a Michael Pittman, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor, you know, th- there are some pieces there that, you know, if they would get a, um, a competent quarterback to come in day one and, and helm the offense, um, they could be back in contention pretty quickly. So, um, you know, I think Stroud, uh, this is probably the, the ideal fit for him. Uh, is is the Colts at four? So um, I think it's a no brainer, uh, considering you know that that he's still on the board at, with the with the fourth overall pick. I feel like the Colts would be so happy if the if if he landed to them or if he fell to them. I agree. I just think the the badge is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah the only the only thing I I struggle with in terms of the Colts and the fit with Stroud of of the four quarterback prospects or maybe five that are being considered as consensus first round picks. Um, he is probably the least mobile, you know, maybe between him and Will Levis. Um, and that Colts offensive line was just so bad last year. Um, I do think that Stroud with a little bit of development is going to be a successful NFL quarterback. Um, the issue that I see is if, if he gets a little bit statuesque in the pocket, the Colts are going to need to invest in the offensive line later in this draft um, in order to make sure that he's standing upright. Um, otherwise, it could be ugly in his rookie year. But overall, I think he's a solid prospect. See, I, th- I think some of that is is comparison bias because I kind of fell into that too when I was looking at, at these guys because Young and especially Richardson are so athletic that when you watch Shroud, it's like, oh, it, <laughs> this is a completely different guy. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I, I have seen him, you know, I think he's, He's not a statue back there, um, but when you look at the the other two guys uh, that were drafted ahead of him, then then it's easy to think that. But I think he's got a little wiggle. I think he's got the ability to to, to throw on the move. So um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's just hard sometimes because when you compare him to somebody like Anthony Richardson, like there's not that many guys that play quarterback that are that good of an athlete. 
And one of the things Matt and I said in our episode was if he if he has to go to a team where he changes the culture, he becomes the guy, he carries the team, it's like I don't know if Shroud can do that. But he kind of he kind of avoids that situation in Indianapolis because they yes, they're missing a little bit of the offense line, it's kind of aged out, but there are still nice pieces in that roster where he won't be, you know, he's not gonna have to throw for five thousand yards and forty touchdowns next year or in his rookie year. Yeah, they've got a strong running game. You know, they've got some established, you know, players, especially Michael Pittman. You know, so there's there's and obviously Michael Pittman was Ohio State guy. So, you know, there's there's always that, too. So, um, yeah, it's a, I think it's a really good match. Sweet. So I have the Seahawks. Oh, he's, he was an SC guy. I, I, I got to correct myself. Michael Pittman was a USC guy. I'm not sure. Sorry about we that. We just let that slide, too. Matt and I didn't even fact check. We, uh, yeah. we didn't even community no, notes I know, yet. I know. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't like to put out that misinformation. So. <laughs> That's good. Um, Mis or disinformation. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure which one that is. Yeah, I don't think they do either. Um, so the Seahawks. <laughs> the Seahawks after the Colts. Seahawks at five. Um this draft falls in a pretty it matches up well with the Seahawks uh their their holes and how I just said Jalen I was afraid of taking Jalen Carter with the Cardinals because there's not really infrastructure there Pete Carroll has he can whisper to these type of players and get them on the straight and narrow get the most out of them and really feel like they're playing for something, playing for him, playing for themselves. And it's he, you know, he's shown that skill through his um, uh, USC days and, and early in his Seattle days. I'm going to have them take Jalen Carter. This could also be a trade back situation, but I'm going to take Jalen Carter. Their their roster is very interesting in how it's constructed. Their secondary is quite good, but their front seven is atrocious, and they were run on all over the place last year. They could get no pressure on the quarterback, and I, they, they need both. And I the Seahawks have the pick, pick number 20 as well. So which position has a deeper bench in this draft? And that is 100% defensive uh, and an edge rusher, so I'm gonna probably wait and take some, take one of the other prospects there, and meanwhile grab a top tier talent who you know is kind of falling off the wagon here in recent months for obviously a number of reasons, and assume that Pete Carroll can get the best out of him. So I'm gonna go with Jalen Carter at five. I I like Carter as a player. Uh, obviously there's a lot of baggage there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think you're right about the, the Pete Carroll thing. You know, I think he, he has the ability to kind of, you know, get guys in the right, in the right mindset and, and, and play for them hard. Um, you know, I, I, and I keep hearing about his workout wasn't good. Like his, he's a defensive lineman. Like, <laughs> I don't, I mean, like, I don't put a lot of stock in that. I'd rather watch his tape and he ragdolls people routinely. So I, I don't really care about his workout. I'm much more concerned. And I think a lot of teams are more concerned about the character piece. Um, So, you know, if this was just based on the player sans the baggage, this is, this is an incredible value pick. Uh, I mean, he, he could have gone three to the Cardinals. Um, You know, I think if Seattle is comfortable with that level of baggage, then, then, you know, great. Um, I have concerns that there's going to be a, a slip for him, him on draft day. I could be wrong, um, but he is incredibly disruptive. I mean, you look at him as a player, and and there's no question he was arguably one. Of, he was 
arguably the best player in college football at any position last year. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's from a football perspective, it's a, it's a great pick. I, I, I think the infrastructure, like they're pretty entrenched, you know, um, uh, at Carroll and then I'm, I'm blanking on the, the, uh, uh, John Schneider, their GM. And it's like, this is not a pick that will cost them their job. So it's like, I, I feel like that they have the cushion and the credibility built up where it's like, if they, if all goes wrong with Jalen Carter, it's like, well, we took the, we took one of the best players in the draft regardless, but I'm sorry, Matt, I think you're going to jump in there. Yeah, I do think this is an ideal situation, kind of exactly what you just outlined. And and listen, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, had this guy not had some of the problems, question whether the Bears would have traded out a one or and just maybe had taken him at, at one because he is the most dynamic and explosive defensive prospect in this entire draft. Um, yeah, there's huge character concerns here. Um, and that's not something that we really use lightly on this podcast. You know, we, we don't like we, you know, last year people were talking about like character concerns for Kayvon Thibodeau and we were like, I don't care. He's abrasive, but we're not going to use character concerns for him because he's not been arrested. He's not had significant problems. Um, you know, we, we have every right to use that term with, with Jalen Carter here because mm-hmm. he's had significant issues. Um, but I do think this is the right situation for him. I think it's an ideal fit on the football field, but I also think it's an ideal fit off of the football field. I think someone like Pete Carroll, who has such a, a long history working with guys in college and guys coming directly out of college, um, I think he has a, a, a methodology that can appeal um, to someone like Jalen Carter. And I think this is part of the decision-making process when you're a general manager. So as Zach's sitting in the GM chair, he's looking at his relationship with his coach and saying, I can trust you um, to get the most out of this prospect. And I think that's why Seattle uh, is such a good fit. Awesome. And so now one of the, I think the most interest, one of the most interesting teams is draft because they have such an up and coming roster um and they have two picks in the first round the lions via the rams um i'm so excited to see who you pick here matt yeah this has been a fun one for me um so i've got pick 18 as well so there's a couple different directions that i can go uh there's two really things that i'm considering one is can i get a running mate on the defensive line for aiden hutchinson um, you know, so I'm looking at an edge rusher. I'm looking at an interior defensive lineman. Uh, but the other piece of the equation, which has been a consistent issue uh, in an Achilles heel for Detroit for as long as I can possibly remember, is the defensive secondary. Um, so I like the depth at both corner and at edge and along the defensive line. But I'm going to go ahead and take the player who I think is one of the best defensive prospects in this class. He's number one overall in his position group uh i'm gonna take devin witherspoon the corner from illinois let's go love him he's such a good fit for that team i feel like yeah he's a hard-nosed defender he's great in coverage but he also has an edge to him one of the best hitters i've ever seen um from the corner position fantastic in zone fantastic in man zach and i have an episode coming out um, shortly, uh, you know, kind of raving about Devin Witherspoon. Uh, I think he's an ideal fit for a team that just traded Jeff Okuda. Um, I think Witherspoon is going to bring a whole new mindset and a real gritty edge um, to go alongside of his fantastic cover skills um, as part of this Detroit secondary. Um, and I think, you know, pairing him with 
that young up and coming defense and, you know, probably whatever defensive lineman we can bring in to help disrupt the quarterback at pick 18. Um, I think the Lions have a really solid um, beginnings to, a, to their defense. Yeah, and I'm also a huge fan of Devin Witherspoon. Um, the attitude he brings, the huge hits. The, I mean, his tape is – I mean, if you have not seen it, just do yourself a favor and just watch his highlights. He is – I mean, it's rare that, that I, who am a non-expert in, tor- in terms of, of cornerback play and evaluation, look in, at a corner and go like, oh, my God, like he's <laughs> incredible. Um, you know, and, and I think it's it's everything. He's a he's a he's a shutdown corner. Um, he plays with an edge. He delivers huge hits. Don't try to throw those dinky little bubble bubble screens in front of in front of him because he will blow you up. Um, super impressed with him. Uh, I think it's a great get for for the Lions here. Um, and they've got the makings of a pretty solid defense. You know, if you if you add Weatherspoon. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I was chomping at the bit to grab him. It was between him and, and Tyree Wilson and a couple mm. of the edge rushers in the class. Um, but my goodness, you know, it's hard to pass up on the top overall corner uh, and a guy with with Witherspoon's skill set. So I was super excited to grab him. Um, so, yeah. If you bring back the JGEG award, and if you're a new listener, you got to go find you got to go search the archives for that one. He might win it this year could win it could. yeah i can only i can only imagine what jg was if he were still in the league they, they banished him to like a desert island right they put in the same place they put napoleon right yeah yeah elba and then helena yeah exactly yeah there you go um yeah but speaking of jg um to give the listener who maybe is not familiar with that reference a hint uh we're gonna move to our next pick which this is just like happy accident but the las vegas raiders uh bill making the pick awesome transition another potential jgeg here um i am gonna go and the raiders need a lot of help i don't I don't really know what they're doing in terms of their offseason moves, signing Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I, I don't really get what they're doing. But that said, I have one pick to try to help fix them. Um, that pick is Peter Skronsky, the tackle from Northwestern. Um, the Raiders have needs at a couple of different um, offensive line spots. Uh, the Alex Leatherwood experiment did not work out, uh, to put it mildly. Um, they Jermaine Illuminor uh, came in and played fairly well last year um but they they've got some holes all across that offensive line and i think skronsky can come in at at tackle um or start off sliding sliding into guard this team is one that is probably going to be very reliant on the run game uh with with josh jacobs um and i think that they in order to do that need need some some elite offensive line play uh because i i I'm guessing that's going to be the strategy going into the year is, is just pound the rock. Um, so I think in order to do that, you take somebody like Peter Skronsky. I think he fits the scheme. Well, um, you know, he can play tackle guard. I'm sure he could play center if you wanted him to. Um, but I think, it, I think for this particular exercise, he probably slots out at left tackle. Um, and he gives them a, a pretty versatile piece to, to use on the offensive line. So Peter Skronsky is the pick for me. Yeah, with him, it's like, hey, do you need help with tackle? Do you need help with guard? What's he going to play? Who cares? Like, the Raiders could use him anywhere. 
doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> they need guards. They need tackles. <laughs> like just just find a place to to use them. If he starts out at guard his his uh, rookie year and then slides out to tackle, that's fine. He can play anywhere, um, and he can he can be excellent anywhere. I still think he ends up being a a Pro Bowl caliber tackle, um, but you know even in the short term, you know being able to use him anywhere you want. Um, is is going to be really big, and, and the other nice part is that he's so technically sound, he's so cerebral um, that you know he'll be able to to contribute right away. So the the only question I have, Bill, and you and I did the offensive tackle um, class together, and we both had Paris Johnson Jr. as our number one yes. tackles. I think I have an inkling as to why you went with Skaronski here, but walk me through the logic. Yeah, so the logic is, you know, Paris Johnson is is a tackle primarily, right? Um, and for this particular exercise, it, depending on if if I want to see another season with a Luminor out of tackle, um, you know, I can use Skronsky to plug in somewhere else. Uh, whereas with um, with Paris Johnson, it was more, you know, he's either going to be left tackle because I, I don't know if Tremaine Luminor can play inside or not. Um, so it, it was just a better team fit for me. Um, you know, and if you're happy with your tackles and you want somebody to slot in a guard, then, you know, that would be a, a better option. So honestly, the, and I, and I have preached it already, but the versatility with Skronsky gives him the edge for me with this particular pick. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, and that's kind of the inkling that I had was it was about his versatility. Um, we talked so much in, in the offensive tackle class about how if you wanted to put him at guard for the first year and then bump him out to tackle, you know, as he developed a little bit more, um, that would be, a, you know, a couple different teams that could fit that mold for him, you know, Las Vegas being one of them. Um, so I think it's a solid pick. Um and with that, we will move to Zach at number eight with the Atlanta Falcons. So the Falcons are have an interesting roster because they have some spots that are pretty deep, uh, and then they have holes. And man, those holes are just as deep as <laughs> uh, their depth in other spots. And there, there's some sneaky areas like cornerback could be uh, in play here um, because they it's like they're throwing quantity at it right now as opposed to quality. Uh, the Akuda trade doesn't really shift what I'm going to do here too much um because i'm ultimately not going to go with the corner but then you also look at their front seven and the thing that sticks out to me is over the last i think it's been three ever since we've started the bot it's been they can't get pressure on the quarterback they can't get pressure on the quarterback um and that makes it a lot harder for everybody on the defense so i also think wide receiver could be a need here as well uh everyone you know everyone here and the listeners know that i'm not a huge drake london guy um you know Kyle Pitts. No one knows what's gonna what he's gonna become. So there are a number of defensive ends uh, here that I'm gonna take, and I'm gonna go with Tyree Wilson. I mean, I hate to keep it chalk, you know, eight you know eight picks in or, or whatever, but you know, super strong, quick reactions. Um, I felt like I saw him beat beat linemen in a variety of ways. Uh, he wasn't just bowling people over. He wasn't just running around them. He did a little bit of both. And and he had he, he was super impressive, actually more impressive than I thought he was going to be uh, when I saw him. So I'm going to go with Tyree Wilson uh, to the Falcons. I think he brings a pass rush dimension that, that they haven't had. And he's not going to solve the problem entirely, but he's going to contribute to the solution um, to something that they haven't had in, in, in years. Yeah, I, I mean, he he's probably 
you know, he steps on the field and he's probably their best defensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I love Tyree Wilson. I, I'm kind of surprised he lasted as long as he did. Um, but, you know, just incredibly disruptive. He's like 6'6", 271. His arms are gigantic. Like, you know, he, he, he fits really well, I think, in that scheme. Uh, he's their best pass rusher from day one. Um, you know, and I think he's still growing in terms of, you know, his his uh, repertoire of moves. Um, you know, I, I think he can maybe get a little stronger, but he's already he's already pretty advanced. I mean, I think you can't really go wrong, uh, you know, with, with this pick. I, I think it's a good one, Zach. Nice, man. Any thoughts or are you just champing at the bit to get to the Bears? Yeah, um, I I like Tyree Wilson. I think he's just an absolutely disruptive force. Um, and the, the piece about him that I think is going to create a significant advantage um, for the Atlanta Falcons is in order to block this guy, you're, he's so powerful, you're going to need to leave in a tight end or a backed chip, which in the modern NFL really limits what you can do in your passing game. So even when he's not getting to the quarterback, and believe me, he will get to the quarterback early and often, <laughs> um, but even even in order to just stop him, you need to bring, you know, you leave, leave your tight end in, alleviates the pressure off of your secondary, allows your linebackers to flow a little bit more freely in coverage because they don't have to be worried about backs and tight ends, you know, coming out of the backfield on slam releases or anything like that. So Wilson, I think, is immediately going to change the complexion of that defense. Um, but like you mentioned, Zach, fantastic pick with Tyree Wilson, but let's get to the Bears. Um, I feel like this might have been slightly rigged. I don't know, Matt getting the Bears. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just kind of had to do it because 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 listen, Justin needs me. Justin needs my help. <laughs> so, um, so listen, this this could have been a spot where you know the Bears could trade down and then and collect a, a few more picks. Um, I don't even think they should do that in this situation because what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Paris Johnson Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is just a perfect. Fi- Yeah, so uh, Paris Johnson Jr. I think is the most ready-made, uh, best pass protector in this class. So I think he's a perfect fit of player and team. Slot in to guard Justin Fields' blind side. Um, Fields took an absolutely erroneous amount of sacks. Like it was ridiculous um, the amount of sacks that he took last year. Um, and listen, he's the franchise guy. We trade out of number one because we, you know, put our faith. In Justin Fields, he did a lot with very, very little last year. Um, and so I'm really excited to see what Fields can do uh, with competent pass pro. I mean, I, I am with you here. The offensive line needs so much work. And um, this like this is manna from heaven for Paris Johnson to last this long. And for the Bears to not only have recouped that the 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 picks they did by trading out of number one, but then also to land Paris Johnson. Do you think it, 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 they could trade out again, Matt? Like if Paris Johnson falls, what players keep them from from trading out? Is it just Paris Johnson, or what? Who else could they land that they'd be like, oh, we can't trade out from nine either? Yeah, the thing about Paris Johnson is I think if you move back looking at the landscape of the draft, I don't think Paris Johnson makes it past Tennessee at eleven. Hmm. 
Um, so unless you're only moving a slot back to like Philadelphia and even Philadelphia, he could be in, in play with Philadelphia too, because Philadelphia's offensive line getting a little bit older. Um, you know, they, they could be looking to replace some of their tackles, you know, relatively soon. Um, so I, you know, honestly, I don't know how far you would be even be able to drop back or if you'd be able to drop back at all. Um, the only thing I think that you could do is if you decided to drop back, um, you can go back and listen to the, the offensive tackle episode because I think this this has to be the position you're taking in the first round. You know, I think you need to drop back um, probably to before the Steelers at 17 because I think that's probably one of the key places for Darnell Wright, who's my number three overall tackle. Um, but even then, the Jets could be looking at Darnell Wright. Tennessee could be looking at Darnell Wright or even Broderick Jones. You know, some of these guys that are consensus first first round um, offensive tackles. So honestly, I think you're better off sticking where you're at and just making the pick. Yeah, I agree. And I think the fit's perfect too. Um, you know, they're they're in desperate need of of some protection for Justin Fields, so he's not running for his life all the time. Um, Paris Johnson, clean, safe prospect. Um, also plus in the run game too. People talk about his pass game work, but he's he's um he's very competent in the run game, uh gets to the second level with ease, um, has a little bit of a of an edge to him as well, which I always appreciate. Um, you know, I, I think it's a it's a rock solid pick. I don't think that um, like I said, he was my number one too. I, I, I only picked uh, Skronsky to the Raiders just because of the, of, of some of the other, you know, factors involved with that. But, um, Paris Johnson, you know, I, I would be stunned if he's still on the board and the, and Chicago doesn't pick him. I think they sent like, I think they sent like 25 people to his pro day or something. <laughs> All right. Well, good stuff. Um, so with that, we'll jump to the Philadelphia Eagles, NFC champs. Bill uh, picks 10 and 30. Um, mm. So let's see what you got. Yeah, so the Eagles are in an interesting situation because, you know, they're they're so balanced and they're such a good team that they can afford a couple of luxury picks. Um you know, I, I think that they need help in the secondary to a certain extent. Darius Slay was resigned, but I think he's 32. Um, but for this particular exercise, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Lucas Van Ness, uh, the edge slash defensive lineman from Iowa, uh, particularly because I think he fits very well with their defensive scheme. Um, you know, they Josh Sweat. Uh, had a really good year last year. Um, but on the other side of that defensive line, there are some question marks. Um, Derek Barnett's coming off of a torn ACL. Um, Brandon Graham, I think, is 35. Um, so there's there's some help that's needed there. Um, and for the listeners, and we get into this a little bit in the Edge, in the Edge podcast that Matt and I did, um, but Van Ness isn't really a true edge. He's more of an inside that can kick out kind of guy. Um, he's very disruptive. He's young. Um, there's a ton of growth potential here. He gets a great push. Um, he'll be able to learn behind some really experienced veterans um, on that that Eagles uh, defensive line. Um, you know, so I, I think he's a he's a really versatile piece uh again that can can play inside or out um and i think he's a really natural replacement uh for you know 
Brandon Graham, um, you know, as he as he gets older. Um, Van Ness does not need to play, um, you know, a huge percentage of snaps right away. Uh, but the Eagles philosophy, which has been very, uh, very productive over the last couple of years is, you know, let a guy, you know, learn the ropes for, for a year. And then, you know, you got a ready-made starter, um, when the, when the guys in front of them, you know, move on. So, um, Van S again, very disruptive. Uh, I think it's a great pick here for, for the Eagles. I think it's the right idea. I don't necessarily agree maybe with Van Ness, but I 100% agree that this is an awesome spot for them to take an end or someone on the on the defensive line for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm in agreement. I, I, you know, Lucas Van Ness, I think, is a good fit here. He's he's obviously not as highly rated on my board as some other, you know, pure edge players. Um, but your point's well-received, Bill, that he can help along a lot of different places on the defensive line. Um, and he is such a disruptive force that you do need someone who um, you know, can infuse some youth into that defensive line, uh, someone who can be disruptive and eat up blocks, um, someone who can play inside and play outside. Um, so I think it's a good fit um, you know, based off of what Van Ness's skill set is and what the Eagles need in terms of, you know, a versatile, you know, piece that they can play at different spots on their defensive line. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited about his potential. Um, but if you compare him to some of the other guys that we ranked in that edge class, it's it's not even it's not even really the same position. Right. Um, you know, and you and I talked yeah, about that, Matt. Yeah. But I think for this particular scheme, I think this is this is the right the right player fit. Yeah, he's just a defensive lineman. He's not really an edge player. I mean, you could play him really. Yeah, well I don't know why. It, With the exception of like nose tackle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he he could probably he could probably you know play in some sort of sub package, but most of the time I think he's probably going to have his hand in the dirt. Awesome, cool. Um, so we move from Philadelphia um, to Zach picking for the Tennessee Titans. I mean, tough, tough choice to make here because it really depends on where you think they're at. Like, is their team good enough to to still win the AFC South? And if so, maybe you take a different position than you would if you think they're rebuilding. Like, I think it's very tempting here to take a wide receiver. Their, their receiving group is so weak. I mean, it has to be considered the weakest in the league. I don't see which team would have a worse one. Uh, corner is also very tempting here. Because um, uh, their secondary and the outside's a little bit weak, but their front seven is 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 relatively strong. They have players to win now, and the thing I keep coming back to is Tannehill is what 36, 37 years old, and Malik Willis is clearly not the guy uh, based on how he played last year. And I think he played poorly enough last year where if I were the GM, I would say we're not even going to waste any more time. We're, you know, we can keep him on through his contract, but maybe one year he comes in after the off season and looks like Patrick Mahomes, but uh, we cannot wait for that to happen uh, because it's like less than a 10% chance. So if I'm the GM, I'm going to take my number one quarterback uh, of the year. I don't have to trade up to get him fell to me. I'm going to go with Will Levis. Um, incredible arm. Uh, I think he, he runs well for his size. I think he was held back by how putrid that Kentucky offense was, which I know we spoke about in a couple uh, episodes. The thing that concerns me, and this is going to sound silly, but it's the, 
and it, I think it speaks to his maybe his mentality and his character. You know, a little cocky with his arm, and that's fine. But his food tastes are they they drive me nuts. And it's not because it's like oh he eats bananas with the skin on, or it's or he puts mayo with coffee. It's not that. It's like hey man, I'm not drinking the coffee, so more power to you. What is concerning to me is his inability to change that habit. Like someone pointed out to him long before this draft process that dude mayo in your coffee is disgusting. You should probably be like an an adult and just put creamer in there. Or someone said hey man, you peel a banana before you eat it, and he willingly said mm, you know what no i i like it the way i'm doing it and that scares me about the his larger mentality about development and, and he like there's foods he doesn't try he has like a, a fear of ketchup or something i can't remember what it is but it, it, milk. it milk. milk he has a fear of milk and it's like dude as an adult and as someone who continues to grow in their life you have to hit those hurdles overcome them find new hurdles overcome them that's growth and the fact that he can't do that about basic food <laughs> scares me so so it's not the food itself because I'm not eating his bananas. It's what it says about him personally. So that's my concern. Everything else about him, I really like. And from the Titans here, I think if I hit on this one, I'm winning the AFC South again next year. With or I'm in contention. Um, and I just think it's the right time in, in their crossroads to take a little bit of a flyer on a quarterback who fell to you at 11. So I'm going with Will Levis. Yeah, he... Uh... I... <laughs> And I know you guys, guys both don't like it, so go for it. I'm okay. I, I am not. I'm not a snowflake. So listen, we we just went through the corner class, and you know when I put on um, some of the SEC corners tapes, um, I saw a lot of SEC corners picking off Will <laughs> Levis, um, and it it, it kind of hurt a little bit of my evaluation of him. Now I will say the same thing happened with C.J. Stroud with some of the Big Ten quarter quarter uh, cornerbacks that I evaluated. Um, in terms of their decision making, the, the the part that scares me about Will Levis, outside of his <laughs> his um, debilitating fear of milk, um, it's it's his pocket presence. He is very jittery in the pocket, and when he does not navigate very well, like we talk a lot about the idea of mobility, but it's not often talked about in the scouting process of in-pocket mobility, that ability to navigate and parse through the defense, step up into the pocket and deliver a throw. Um, he has a, a tendency to get really rattled um, with not a significant pass rush. Um, I think he needs to get more composed. So, I mean, I loved his arm. I love his arm strength. I think he puts a nice touch on the ball. I think he throws a nice ball. I think he's got a great deep ball. I think there's tons of things that, that are pluses for him my biggest concern is mentally do you have the stability to stand steadfast in that pocket um with 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 pressure closing in around you and delivering a ball he's not someone that i saw you know we we talked about this with like hendon hooker if you go back to the quarterback episode hendon hooker stood in there took a hit to make a throw i did not see that often from Will Levis, um, and that is my biggest concern outside of the fear of milk. <laughs> Bill, what do you think of his food? Uh, his food phobias. I am not going to make any commentary <laughs> on the man's food phobias. Listen, man, you 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 play the cards you're dealt. I mean, I'm, I, I I got nothing against his 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 whatever his burdens are. <laughs> However, um, what I what I do have some now. Let's let's maybe get get a little context here. 
Will Levis had a much better season two seasons ago. Um, this past year, his team, his team, his overall team dynamic was pretty bad. His receivers were bad. His offensive line was bad. It was all bad. His coaching was abysmal. Like everything was bad. I think, I think Matt even mentioned in one of the episodes, it kind of looked like we were watching a Matt Canada offense, which like is a case <laughs> of death in terms of offensive uh, play calling. However, so he had he he had a very good season two seasons ago. That resulted in twenty four touchdowns and thirteen interceptions. Uh, okay, and then last year he threw nineteen touchdowns and ten interceptions. Um, that's not exactly um, exciting to me. Now he's got he's got a good body type, like he's big, he's got a good arm, all of those things. I don't have him as my next best quarterback. Uh, it would have been kind of cool to see Hendon Hooker from the University of Tennessee go to the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> that said, I do agree, Zach, with your rationale. Um, you know, it, uh, Tannehill is is not the answer, and that's been apparent. Um, you know, I, I think that you, they do need to do something. They need to get a quarterback in the future. I even think that it's possible that Mike Vrabel's, you know, sort of message has gotten a little stale, too. Mm. Um, Derek Henry is getting older. They have nobody to throw the ball to. Um so there's there's this team is a lot closer to a rebuild than it is to being back in contention. You know, I think it was it was sort of a miracle that that they held up as well as they did last year. So, you know, I if Levis is your guy, like, you know, that's cool. I understand taking a quarterback here. Um, but, you know, I I I may have gone, you know, wide receiver um just to maybe give Tannehill one last chance, but you know, I, I think, you know, either way, the Titans are in a tough spot. Yeah, very tough. I just, I've seen enough of Tannehill like five seasons ago. So it's, it's like, I just can't roll back with him. And yeah, Levis, the interceptions don't concern me as, as much as maybe they do others. It's like, that can, I feel like that can be coached out to a certain extent. I mean, Matt Ryan had a great career after throwing a ton of interception in college. It could be a little bit of cockiness, which he absolutely does have in his arm. And so, I don't know. It could be a number of things. And I don't know how many were, like, tipped, his fault, etc. So, um, I mean, it, it, yes, he, he's thrown more than, you know, every other quarterback prospect. But I, I, I'm not – I'm also – it doesn't scare me off him, I should say. Yeah, and in his defense, it could be that just he's you know a lot of times he's just trying to make a play on a bad team. Yeah, you know. True, true. Matt, the second of your Texans picks via Cleveland at number uh, number twelve. Yeah. Um, so you know this is going to be an interesting spot for me. You know we drafted Anthony Richardson at number two. Um, big needs wide receiver. I think our best receivers right now are Nico Collins, who isn't bad. He's a solid number two, uh, and Robert Woods, which, mm, <laughs> um, and and you know, uh, the other need I would look at is is a couple different spots along the defensive line. As I look down the board, I think that there are more teams that are going to be looking wide receiver then there are teams that are going to be looking at edge. So, And I think there's a deeper edge class by comparison to the wide receiver class. So if I want to get my pick of the litter with regard to wide receiver, I feel like I need to do it now, and I can still get the edge rusher at 33. Um, so as I look down the board, that's kind of the landscape I see. So I'm going to go and take my number one receiver, uh, Zay Flowers from Boston College, off the board. Mm -hmm. I want to equip 
Anthony Richardson, when I made the pick of Richardson, I said he had a really, really abysmal supporting cast at Florida. So I want to give him one of the most dynamic playmakers in this draft in Zay Flowers, someone who is an impeccable route runner, uh, someone who has Tyreek Hill-esque qualities, um, Antonio Brown-esque route running, albeit a little bit raw. Um, but I want to give him someone who can also create after the catch, um, someone who can be a deep threat on the outside as well as a safety valve from the slot um, who just finds ways to get open, whether it be man or zone coverage. So I absolutely loved my evaluation of Zay Flowers. Um, he's the pick here. I think it's very similar to um, Bill's pick earlier of um, the, the Eagles. I think it's the right. I think it's the right strategy. I can totally see the rationale. I wouldn't pick. I wouldn't go with the same player. But I mean, I totally get where you're coming from there. I, on the other end, love Zay Flowers, and I, <laughs> he is my number one uh, ranked wide receiver. Um, I think he. I think he. I'm not sure if he has the body. I mean, he. I'm not sure if he's got the body type to be that bona fide dominant number one overall wide overall wide receiver. I would be curious how he meshes with John Mechie playing outside. Uh, although Mechie's probably because the reason I say that is Mechie's probably going to play in the slot, so that that leaves Flowers on the outside. Um, but I mean, I think he's clearly the best the best receiver, and they do have a bigger body guy. In, in Nico Collins, so perhaps I'm even talking myself into this a little bit more <laughs> as I speak. Um, so, you know, a, a starting three wide receivers of uh, Nico Collins, Zay Flowers, and John Mechie, not not the worst uh, trio for a, for a young quarterback. The only question is, can Anthony Richardson get them the ball? Um, but, you know, I, I think Zay Flowers brings a lot to the table. Uh, his route running is pristine. His speed is game-breaking. Uh, there's a there's a lot to like here. So I, I love the pick, Matt. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I was super excited. I got to take, you know, for the Texans, and I got to take two of my favorite prospects in the entire <laughs> draft. So, um, so Texas, I'm, Texas fans, I'm really just, you know, trying to get you guys excited about, about 2023. Um, but, yeah, with that, we'll jump to the New York Jets in such a weird position. Aaron yes. Rodgers' drama persists. Um, and it's only fitting that Bill gets to make the pick for Aaron Rodgers in the Jets, <laughs> or maybe not, or Zach Wilson in the Jets. I, maybe, should I <laughs> should I call Aaron Rodgers and see see what he thinks? Like I, maybe I should just give or, him a call or, and be like, "Hey, man." Yeah. Maybe Ben Roethlisberger comes out of retirement. It's Benny in the Jets. Like it could be so many different things. Uh, listen, I, Rodgers is going to be there. You don't you don't go this far down the road and have all that done publicly without it end up ending up happening. They're talking about semantics and playing a little bit of uh, chicken, you know, about some you know guarantees and stuff from a contractual standpoint. So Rodgers is going to be there. Um, you need to keep him upright. Um, the Jets tackle play, regardless of whether it was Zach Zach Wilson or Mike White or you know Brett Farr, like it doesn't matter. Like. The tackle play, regardless of who was playing quarterback, was abysmal last year. Uh, Makai Becton got hurt early. Um, he has been a very large, and I, I you know, forgive the for, <laughs> forgive the uh, the wording there, but you know, he's been a very large disappointment. Um, he's, I think, gonna they're gonna give him another try um, because he there were stretches where he played well, especially his rookie season, but he just has not been able to get his weight under control or to stay healthy. Um, so, you know, I, I think that 
that's the the position that they desperately need to to upgrade. You know, they tried a or it was basically a revolving door of tackles last year. Dwayne Brown got some run there. George Fant got some run. They moved out uh, Elijah Vera Tucker to right tackle, and he promptly got hurt. Um, so they they need more help on that offensive line. Um, so for for my Jets pick, I'm going to go with Darnell Wright, tackle from Tennessee. Um, he's probably more natural as a right tackle, um, which would allow Vera Tucker to slide back into his, to his guard position, uh, where I think he's, he's better suited. Um, Darnell Wright, uh, if you watch the tape against, uh, Will Anderson, Darnell Wright stonewalled Will Anderson, uh, every time he went up against him, he's got a ton of experience. I think he played in 54 games in the sec. Um, you know, I, he's got a, a he's he, wide body, uh, very balanced, good, good pass blocker, good run blocker. Um, not a lot of holes in his game. Uh, like I said, he's probably better suited to, to right tackle. He has played left tackle. Um, so, you know, I think for, for him, he's a, he's a knife, nice, safe, reliable pick. And the fact that he's going at 13 just shows you how light this tackle class is and, and the lack of depth that it has. Um, but the Jets absolutely need to keep Aaron Rodgers upright. Darnell writes the pick here. People are going to say, well, all the, isn't this the third year in a row that the Jets drafted a lineman in, in round three or round one? It's like, yeah, they have. And can you imagine what their line would be like if they hadn't done that? So I don't see an issue with them like going back to the well again and again and again. It's like <laughs> they need to do it. It's got. It has yeah, to work. It has to work because you you only have two years worth of Aaron Rodgers, basically. Mm-hmm. So you know he cannot be running for his life. He's he's almost forty years old. He's not a mobile quarterback. You cannot hang him out to dry, uh, especially with with what you're probably going to be giving up to get him. Yeah, I, I think Darnell Wright is probably one of my favorite tackles in the draft. Um, I had him listed as one of three elite ones with Peter Skronsky and Paris Johnson Jr. Um, a fantastic pick. Um, I think he's one of the best pass protectors in the class. He's an absolute stonewall. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Tyler Smith, um, who came out of last year's class from Tulsa, who's now with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but I think a little bit more of a refined version coming out of college um, and played against more premier competition and excelled against more premier competition. So I think this is a surefire pick. Awesome. Well, then we will jump to uh, the New England Patriots. Uh, So while I got to pick for my legacy favorite quarterback in Justin Fields (laughs) with the Bears, Zach gets to play GM um, for Bill Belichick and Mac Jones, despite the uh, turmoil there. I do. And, uh, you know, you have to give last year, you have to give him a mulligan for last year. And Bill needs to get over himself. Uh, Mac's trying to be great, and he needs to recognize that. And can't blame him. This is, um, I mean, they need help at receiver, and I could have the pick of the litter here. I know tight end um, could be um, an opportunity as well, a good pass catching tight end. Belichick likes that. I would like that for Mac. Um, but, and I know that every everyone here will groan, and everyone watching the draft would groan here. Well, I'm bypassing all of the positions of, of dire need the Patriots have, and I'm going with this position, even though they already have it kind of set because of the value available here. And I, in the fact he fell this, this long, I think that the Patriots would be thrilled 
and that's going to be Christian Gonzalez, cornerback uh, from Oregon. I know Steelers fans probably like hoping he fell to him, but Bel- Belichick loves his cornerbacks. He's a great cornerbacks coach. Um, as the you know, I know he's the GM too. But if I were the GM in this situation, it was I knew that he would be able to take Gonzalez and and turn him into that elite level where he becomes one of the best cornerbacks in the game. And you add that into what they already have in the secondary, you know, Kyle Duggar, um, Jack Jones, um, Jonathan Jones. It's like, man, that secondary is stacked. And we can always come back and around and, and grab someone for Mac. But I'm going Christian Gonzalez. Incredible value. I like it. I mean, straight up incredible value. It's crazy that um, he fell this far. I know we kind of drafted for some needs and some spots, but you know, this is this is a a guy that you know I took Devin Witherspoon at at six, um, and it was you know real close. You know, not quite a coin flip, but at least a dice throw uh, between Devin <laughs> Witherspoon like and, and Christian Gonzalez in terms of my number one corner. I'm excited for that episode to come out. We'll do a deeper evaluation of those guys. But, I mean, he's a fantastic cover corner. Um, the Patriots lost J.C. Jackson free agency a couple years ago. It's been a little bit of a revolving door since Stefan Gilmore left. I mean, impossible for the Patriots to pass up on, on Gonzalez here at 14. Yeah, and and you know, just to speak a little bit more about, you know, Gonzalez, I mean, he's almost six two. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that's a long strider, doesn't even really look like he's running that fast, but until you, you know, watch him against, you know, trying to cover somebody and, and matching him step for step. Uh he's got really good ball skills. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a really I think it's a really good value pick where you got him. I would be stunned if he gets out of the top 10, but that's the way that this, that the way that this fell. But um, yeah, it's a, I think it's a fantastic pick Zach. Thanks. I know we'd all be bummed if this actually happened. (laughs) 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 And now, uh, so from the Pats to the pack, uh, Matt in another weird situation, another team that is kind of in limbo right now, uh, the Packers at 15, are you going to help Jordan Love out? I am. I am. And probably maybe not in the way that the listeners might be anticipating. Mm. Um, because here's the thing. I I think they're, um, you know, my favorite offensive linemen are really off the board. I don't think there's anyone right now um, that's worth taking at pick 15. Um, I actually like some of the youth that I've got on the exterior. Um, I like Romeo Dobbs. I like Christian Watson as he emerged last year, um, where, where I really think the Packers are, um, are struggling. And I really think an opportunity to help Jordan Love in the maturation process is to provide that's not just a safety net tight end, but an absolutely dynamic playmaker in the middle of the field. Um, And that's Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, the tight end. Uh, Bill turned me on to this guy. um, And I was watching his tape a little bit today because I've been you know, scouted too many tight ends. Um, he wears 87. There's been comps to Rob Gronkowski. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to see Rob Gronkowski when I turn this on. 
I saw a little Rob Gronkowski when I turned this on. Um, I think this dude can be dynamic in the middle of the field. He runs routes like a wide receiver. He's going to abuse linebackers with his speed and um, his route running ability. And he's going to brutalize safeties and corners that try to guard him. I think he's an easy pick for the Green Bay Packers at 15. Um, and I think an absolute um, you know, dynamo uh, for Jordan Love. I'm so excited we get to talk about tight ends. Michael Myers, amazing. So there's and and listen, this is a very deep, very talented tight end class. But Michael Myers is the type of guy that can really do it all. Matt mentioned a lot of uh, of the things that we saw on tape in terms of his of his receiving game, but he's also a very good blocker. Um, you know, he he has he gets very good leverage. Hand placement's great. You know, he moves guys off the ball. He's a very balanced tight end. Never needs to leave the field. You can line him up all over the formation. Um, and he was really Notre Dame's number one wide receiver last year for for all intents and purposes. Um, he's got great experience. Um, he comes in extremely pro ready. Um, you know, he's a he's a day one difference maker. I think um, even in terms of the fact that you know I, I know a lot of tight ends take a couple of years to mature. Michael Meyer may be the exception to that rule just because of the experience he already has and because of how advanced his game is. Yeah, I, I mean, my thoughts on the player. I can see it from a blocking perspective, but if I'm going to spend a 15th uh, overall pick on a tight end, I want to make sure he's dynamic athletically in the pass game. And I didn't think he was in the same athletic realm as Dalton Kincaid. Not to take anything away from Michael Meyer, he had he had great catches, great acrobatic catches, but I felt like he was constantly draped by linebackers and corners. And it's like, if he's not getting away from guys now, how's he going to do in the NFL? So, I mean, I definitely see it there from a blocking perspective. I I just question a little bit of, of the athleticism and, and will it be there at the next level? And, you know, this could... This, this take could age really poorly but um i just yeah I, I was i didn't necessarily see him i thought you were gonna go dalton kincaid um matt but yeah i mean kincaid was was in play here for sure mm-hmm. um and and there were a couple other you know sort of guys over the middle um in terms of like slot receivers, this is a, definitely a slot receiver class. Um, you know, Zach and I talked about that. So there, <laughs> but I think the the Packers need a playmaker in the middle of the field, and I felt like this was this was the most surefire thing. But Kincaid is also a fantastic prospect. I have a feeling we may be seeing him um, a little bit later in this draft. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I don't think I have many like tight end spots coming up, uh, but I'm sure we're not going to get out of this draft without Bill taking the tight end. <laughs> I mean, I will defer to Bill on the tight end rankings because he's the tight end maestro. So if he says Meyer's good and he has it, I, I trust Bill. All right. Well, I appreciate that, guys. I like Kincaid too, though. I mean. Yeah, I think. Uh, go ahead, Matt. Speaking of which, we're, yeah, we're moving to you, Bill, on the Washington Commanders for the next one. Yeah. And, and just like Matt getting to pick for Justin Fields, I get to pick for my guy, Sam Howell, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders. Um, he looked a little, he looked pretty good in that one game that he played. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously, you know, that sample size is small, so we can just go ahead and extrapolate that and say he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Anyhow, um, let's, 
Let's get into the trenches with this one. The Washington Commanders uh, select guard Osiris Torrance with the 16th overall pick. Um, this is a very good fit. The the um, Commanders were forced to uh, take a uh, a spin on the uh, Trey Turner carousel last year, which uh, Steelers fans know well. Um, didn't work out, as uh, Steelers fans also know well. Um Torrance is a um, unique talent. He's 6'5", he's 345. He is absolutely a mauler. Put him in a phone booth and he's going to dominate. He moves sometimes like he is 345, but it doesn't matter. He is a people mover. This is a guy that's designed for a power running game like they would have with Brian Robinson. Um, I think that it's a uh, it's a good opportunity for the commanders to add to that offense and, and give Sam Howell the best chance to succeed. I sincerely hope they do not take a quarterback here um, and and give give Howell the the run that he needs um, to to prove that he can be that that QB one. Um, Torrance is an interesting uh, story. He uh, he came uh, over from Louisiana, uh, followed Billy Napier to Florida. He was dominant at, at Louisiana, um, continued to dominate at Florida. Um, he's good in pass pro as well, but I mean, his in in the run game, he's just going to move you. Um, so. Uh, I know it's uh, not often that you see guards going this high, but I think Torrance uh, is deserving of it. Uh, I he's my number one ranked guard. Um, he's legit, <laughs> um, and he, he's yeah. I everything you said. I'm not going to waste any more time on it, Bill. But I pretty much you think you nailed his his draft profile. Yeah, and I'll also add to the equation. Um, I liked his tape as well, but I'll note that you know, there were guards that I think it's a position that's growing in value um, within the NFL. I think GMs are starting to perceive that you know, look, Kenyon Green went early. I think in the I think at this pick around sixteen last year to the Houston yeah. Texans, you had Zion Johnson going around 22, 23 to the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. So I think this is a position group that people are starting to realize the importance of having specifically a left guard um, because of their proximity to quarterback to, to the quarterback and their role within pass protection. Um, so I don't think this is a reach at, for position value, and I also think it's, it's a very good player at the position. So um, a good overall pick. And with that, we will move to the most stressful pick of the draft. Um, <laughs> on Zach's shoulders, we have lots of Steelers listeners. Um, Bill and I are Steelers fans. Zach was at one point. I'm not sure. I still am. I'm back. Now. I'm back in the fold now. Yeah. You're back. I'm You're back. back. Kenny Pickett. We drafted Kenny Pickett. You're a pick guy. Here we go. We got two Steelers picks, 17 and 32. Let's go. Uh, I Don't mean, screw it up. <laughs> Joey Porter. Jr. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> it's um, how the pick I make, you're going to think it's good or bad depending on how you feel about Broderick Jones because uh, I'm not going to take him. And I think that that's an area of need that the Steelers need to ad- or could address. The Their addition to the Philly guard um, this offseason makes me feel a little bit better about the interior of their line and that they can do enough to get by. Um, they also need a little bit of help on the defensive line too. I can't, Cam, Cam Hayward started showing his age 
last season. I mean, he's still awesome, but he he's he can only be great for so long. And I think he started. You could, if you look closely, could start seeing him um, uh, decline a bit. And they just try to replace, you know, with the, their other the other defensive tackle spot with, you know, free agent flavor of the year, pretty much. And I don't know how long you can do that sustainably, but I'm going with cornerback with this position um, because you, I just feel like 2023 you cannot go in with Patrick Peterson as your number one cornerback. How much have we? I mean, how often have we seen Trey Norwood? James Pierre plays like really well in short spurts. Um, Levi Wallace had a good start to last year, but um, I don't know how strong he really finished. The Steelers always have issue with cornerbacks, and if you can't develop them, take someone who you think is going to be a stud um, there and uh, and is a can't miss prospect. So I'm gonna be very happy that he fell to me. Um, it doesn't make the decision any harder, but I'm going to go with Deontay Banks, cornerback uh, for the Steelers at 17, and I'm interested to hear what you guys think. I'll defer to Matt because he, <laughs> he watches more corner tape than I do. I mean, I I like Banks. Um, I still had, had uh, Jerry Porter Jr. Jr. in front of him, but I... I mean, I feel like that's gonna happen anyway. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like it's inevitable. Yeah. Uh, but I did like I did like Banks's tape. Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, he's he's stepped down from some of from from the top tier guys for sure. Um, but I think he's a solid contributor. I had more of a second round grade on him though, um, Matt. I I didn't know what you thought. I, I had a easy first round grade on him. Um, I think he's one of the the best um, outside corners in this draft, you know, right outside of Christian Gonzalez and, and Devin Witherspoon. Um, you know, he he ended up. I watched a little bit more tape. He ended up being my number three. Um, he was around the three and four range. I, when Zach and I recorded last night for the corners, but uh, I've locked him in as my number three with a solid first round grade. Give you a little bit, uh, kind of brief overview of my thoughts on him. Great at covering fades. He mirrors very well in man coverage. He's very good at playing press. He needs to improve a little bit when he's playing with cushion. So better in man, better at zone, but he better at man than he is in zone. But very, very good physical press corner, which I love to see. Uh, you could absolutely put this dude on an island, which I love. Um, he's good against the run. He uses his positioning really well in coverage, and he uses the sideline as his friend. He can basically box receivers out of the play. Um, he needs to improve against a more diverse route tree, um, so I'd like to see a little bit of improvement there. He is decent read and react, but I think he could improve a little bit there. But ideal size, which you cannot coach, um, and you know, overall, I think he's a really, really good prospect. What what do you think compared to him compared to that pick with Broderick Jones who is still available and, and is a position the Steelers could use some help at? I would take Banks over you over would. Broderick Jones. Okay. Yeah, there's a few other tackles maybe at 32 that I you know you may be able to put together. Um, you know, it, it really just depends. But I think you're you're getting a premier position. You're getting a premier player. I think a top three player at that premier position. So I'm I'm all good with the pick. See, I, I, 
I do disagree. And that, now again, Matt's more of the expert on the on the cornerbacks than I am. But um, I would I would probably take Broderick Jones here just because. And you know, Matt and I discussed it in, in the in the tackle um, in the tackle episode. But you know, he's kind of really the last of that sort of you know true left tackle. You know, and and I understand that he's picked behind these other guys for a reason, is and and that's primarily because, you know, he's not quite there yet. He only had one year of starting experience, but I think the ceiling's high enough that that the Steelers would take the chance there. Um, but again, I, I like Banks too, so you know, that's just my two cents. Yeah, and maybe we'll stay a second longer on it because it's we are Steelers fans. Um, I had Banks as my third overall corner, and you, the listener, will have already heard our cornerback rankings episode that came out right before this one. But um, we were both Matt and I were both very high on Banks, um, and and when we t- when we talk about first round picks, it's like how can I limit risk and make sure that a guy I'm getting is a starter and isn't going to bust? And I think Banks has a pretty good floor there, so. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And in contrasting against Broderick Jones, obviously a different evaluation, different position. Jo- Jones has some some bust potential. Mm-hmm. I don't think near. I think Banks has a much higher floor as a prospect, uh, as well as a higher ceiling. So, Bill, you you may not know because the episode obviously isn't out yet, but Matt and I have like kind of an inside joke about Joey Porter Jr. So, uh, I was I, I wondered if he was bummed when I took him at, at seven or didn't take him at seventeen. Oh, I was not. I just feel like it's so inevitable. Like it's it's it definitely going to happen. It, it, it's a thousand percent going to happen in real life for sure. But yeah, okay, so back to the Lions at pick eighteen. Yeah, uh, Matt, it's to you again. Yeah, um, so I kind of telegraphed this a little bit after I took Devin Witherspoon at number six. That you know my next pick was going to be getting a running mate um, along the defensive line for. Um, for Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, there's two prospects that are lingering in my mind. One is an edge and one is an interior defensive lineman. Um, I think one of the things that the Lions are lacking in watching them a little bit last year is that push in the middle. Um, that is the, the most surefire way that you can disrupt a quarterback and that you can create a lot of turnovers. So I'm actually going to go from the edge to the middle of the field, someone who is just a dynamic um rusher from the middle someone who has an explosive combination of speed and agility and power um, i'm going to go with kalijah Cansey from uh, the university of pittsburgh defensive lineman um, i think he can start to eat up blocks in the run game um, i think he can put pressure on the quarterback from the middle while hutchinson brings pressure from the edge um, i think you have the makings of a very very dominant defensive line um, with with a combination of Hutchinson and Cansey uh, to go along with your improved secondary with Devin Witherspoon. I love this pick. I love it. Love it. Love it. It's fantastic. I I Kalijah Cansey is one of my favorite players in this entire class. I don't care that he's small. He's so <laughs> disruptive. He's so advanced uh, from a uh, hand fighting perspective, from a pass rush move perspective. Like he he would be a nightmare. Uh, to go up a, a, up against, you know, when you're still got to account for Aiden Hutchinson on the outside too. Um, I don't, I don't care how small he is. Anybody that complains how small he is doesn't understand, you know, what leverage means. Um, and he plays with outstanding leverage. Every time we talk about a a big, uh, you know, defensive tackle, it's oh, can you get the leverage? Well, but you never talk about that with a small guy. 
Um, so I, I think this is a phenomenal pick. It's a really good fit. Um, and if you're Detroit, you've got to be thrilled to come away with Devin Witherspoon and Kalijah Kansi. I mean, he's an awesome player. Um, and I don't know. One of my notes on him is like, I don't know where he's going to play, but it doesn't matter. I just want him on my team and we will find a way to get him on the field. Um, and I also have, he's going to have to be a little bit of a luxury pick because of that uncertainty of where he's going to play. And the, the Lions have a great roster for that. I mean, they even though they haven't been great in a very long time, they played well last year. And in the in free agency, they plugged a lot of holes in their secondary. And their offense has been drafted um, with awesome precision and, and prognostication. And now their second pick in the first round kind of is a luxury pick. Um, and I think this is I, I think it's a great pick and he, he will find the field somewhere. I mean, have that mentality combined with Devin Witherspoon's mentality um, to the coaching staff, Dan Campbell there. That's I mean, perfect fits. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Lions fans. Um <laughs> So we'll go from an ascending team to a team that was a Super Bowl contender, lost the uh, the GOAT, Tom Brady. Um, Bill is making the pick. He is going to try to um, figure out what life's going to look like after Tom Brady. So, Bill, what are you doing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Well, there's, there's two directions that you can go if you're Tampa Bay. Um, number one is, you know, try to, you know, make make do with another quarterback because all the other infrastructure is there uh yeah it's aging for 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 certain but um you know there's still some really good players um you know on that on that team um and you know i I think a lot of it was brady finally lost the step and um you know it didn't work out but um that's option number one is you can try to find somebody to plug in and and make another go with the current roster makeup or you can blow it up and and start a rebuild i think that there's a player on the board right now that fits plan number one to a t and that that player is hendon hooker the quarterback from tennessee um he he could have been a heisman winner had he not gotten hurt in november um, he led a dominant Tennessee offense. Um, one of the things that I really like about him is, um, he's not afraid to take chances with the ball without being reckless. Um, you know, he, he, you know, throws those type of passes that give the, your, your gives his guy an opportunity to make a play. Um, and they've got good wide receivers, uh, you know, Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin, you know, to, to make those types of plays. He's 25 years old. Um, but in this particular instance, you know, he, I think he may be a little bit more pro ready. I do not think that they're comfortable going into this season just with Kyle Trask. Um, and I think that hooker is probably, Probably the last guy that that you could say would be a you know starting NFL quarterback for any length of time in this class. I actually had him ranked ahead of of Will Levis. Um, you know, I think the the production the, the production was there in the SEC. Tennessee's offense was a little bit different. I, I think there's there is going to be a little bit of a of a learning curve going from Josh Heupel's offense to a NFL you know, offense. Um, but I think hooker maybe, you know, takes a seat to begin the season, you know, lets Kyle Trask, you know, uh, play for, for the first half of the season. And then they see what they've got, uh, in, in Hendon hooker when he's ready. 
Um, but I think if you're the Buccaneers, this is sort of your shot to, you know, reinvigorate the, the organization and stave off that sort of rebuild. Because again, they play in the, in, in the NFC South, which is always wide open. I mean, nobody's running away with that division. And, you know, if you can get competent quarterback play um, with the roster that they currently have constructed, you could be right back in the playoff hunt. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a risk here, especially given the in- injury that, that Hooker had. Um, but I, I, think it, I think the upside's worth it. So I'm going to go ahead and Hooker here. I like the fit. I like the fit. I like the player. And I just want to take a second to say, Matt and I recorded our college quarterback crop episode February 2nd, prior to the Super Bowl. And in that episode, we both had Hendon Hooker top five or top four even, and we were singing his praises throughout. So kudos to us, Matt. We were we were there before everyone else was. Yeah, and, and you know, I've done a little bit more. I, I mentioned, you know, when we were watching our, our – um, our corner classes that um, a couple players sort of their evaluations dropped a little bit. And those, I mentioned that being CJ Stroud and Will Levis um, as I kind of look through some of their decision-making, some of that kind of stuff. So I have since moved Hendon Hooker into my number three spot ahead Mm -hmm. of CJ Stroud and ahead of Will Levis. Um, So I do not think this is a reach in order to take Hendon Hooker. I know he has the injury, but again, this is a great situation because you do have infrastructure in place. You have Baker Mayfield, uh, who I think is on like a one-year deal or something. Um, You brought him in for agency. You've got Kyle Trask. Hooker doesn't need to be rushed into the fold. And when he does, he's still got a lot of weapons at his disposal. Um, So I think this is a great pick. Good uh, idea by Bill to take advantage of that. Um, you know, rookie quarterback contract as you start to rebuild uh, an already talented roster uh, post Tom Brady era. So I, I really like this pick. Now, thanks guys. Yeah, uh, is he just gonna? Is Baker? How big? How's Baker Mayfield gonna feel? Don't care. That's the I, answer to that question. I don't care. <laughs> don't care. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, and I thought about Mayfield too, and I, I know it's Mayfield and Kyle Trask, but. You know, you, you've got a, you got, it's not like, you know, Mayfield's on the same contract that he was. He's, he's a, at this point, he's an NFL journey man. Yep. Um, and Kyle Trask is, is, has shown nothing, you know, to, to suggest he's the, he's the answer. I don't, I don't think their presence prevents me from pulling the trigger on, uh, Hendon Hooker. That's the right way to go, in my opinion. So now I'm sitting here at 20 with the Seahawks and I'm going to be pretty happy uh, based on how the board's fallen to me. Uh, the deepest position in the, one of the deepest positions in the draft defensive end, only three people have gone. I was able to grab the top defensive tackle in the class and maybe one of the best, maybe the best player in the draft with Jalen Carter. I'm now very happy. I get to. I have really a choice of my defensive ends, and I'm going to go ahead and take Will McDonald the fourth. Um, I thought he was super solid all the like the whole way around. I didn't see many flaws in his game. I thought he was powerful. He's quick. I thought he had very good hands, which some players in this class are lacking a bit. I thought he had a good motor. I thought he was also smart and could diagnose plays pretty well, not only in the run game, but you know, he could identify screens and get out there and disengage from the block. I, I, I was really happy and I actually have him as my third rated defensive end behind Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson. So um, if I'm the Seahawks, I'm super happy here. Yeah, I I love all. I mean, it's it's 
it's it's Matt and I talked about it in the um, in the Edge episode, but it's almost like pick pick whoever your best fit is, and I think McDonald's yeah. a really good fit, you know, in that Seattle defensive scheme. One of the things I love about Will McDonald is just the burst he gets off the snap. Yeah. I mean, it, it's right up there with any other player in this class. Uh, you know, he gets off the snap quick, and part of that is the that he times the quarterback's cadence super well. Um, and then he is able to actually get outside, dip the shoulder, and get to the quarterback, which, you know, a lot of those guys have one of, of those couple of attributes, you know, either the good get off or the dip and rip, you know, but they don't have all of it. Will McDonald does. Um, you know, he's he was a sack artist in college. I think he'll continue to be a sack artist, um, you know, at the pro level. I think it's a, a, a great pick um, and, a, and a really good fit with what Seattle does. Nice. Yeah, I was a huge fan of Will of Will McDonald. Um, I think he ended up being he's number four okay. on my list in terms of pass rushers. Um, I had one guy who's still on the board ranked ahead of him, but again, he's got a first round grade for me. He's long, he's powerful, he has excellent bend, great rip move. I'd like to see him develop a little bit more diversity in his pass rush moves, but I mean that's easily coached into a player. Um, he even drops into coverage really well. Um, which is you know something I thought was really unique um, that I would love to see how Seattle can use him in that situation. He reminded me a little bit of early years TJ Watt okay. uh, when he came out of Wisconsin. He's got that length. He uses it very well. Reminded me a little bit of Aiden Hutchinson as well because, again, a long prospect, uses his arms really well, um, keeps the offensive tackles off of him. Um, I think there's a lot that you can do with with Will McDonald. I think a really good spot for him as well in um, in Seattle. I like it. Thanks, guys. And now it's right. back to you, Matt. Los Angeles Chargers. You get to pick a player for old uh, Coach Wonder um, Brandon Staley. Hot seat, Coach Wonder Brandon yeah. Staley. Yeah, it's um, this is an interesting spot because again, the Chargers consistently on paper look really, really good. Yeah, they can continuously underperform. <laughs> um, one of the biggest holes they had was offensive line last year, but I'm not going to go that route because the reason their offensive line was so bad last year was because they had injuries to guys like Rashawn Slater and their injuries across the board. So it was a bit of a hodgepodge group. Um, they are bringing back Keenan Allen. So they've got Josh Palmer as well, and obviously Mike Williams. Gerald Everett had a breakout season. There is a dispute between Austin Eckler and the team, um, but what I think is probably going to happen in that situation is Eckler's going to go out, realize what his market value actually is, and then come back to Los Angeles without any without any problems. So I'm not going to invest heavily in a running back here, despite the fact that this is a very good running back class. What I'm going to look at is – my interior defensive line does not have a lot of depth. And one of the biggest challenges that I've seen with the Los Angeles Chargers over the last couple of years, not even just last year, is their ability um, to disrupt in the run game and in the pass game within the middle of the defense. Um, they have some pieces that I like um, to kind of complement Joey um, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, but I want to add another piece who I can use specifically in passing situations and a little bit of a de developmental prospect, but someone with, with I think, elite upside. So I'm going to take Brian Breesey, mm. the defensive lineman from Clemson. 
Um, he's got a little bit more of a finesse game. He needs to get more powerful at the next level. Um, but he is very explosive. Um, not quite to the degree, degree that someone like Kalijah Kansi is, but he's very explosive. He finds ways to get around blockers. He's very slippery from that standpoint. Um, but I think this is a good guy that you can bring into your locker room. I think he can develop over the course of a couple of years, but you can still leverage him um, in his rookie season as he's still developing because he does have um, some unique ways of rushing the passer in particular from the middle of the defense. Um, I think this is a good fit uh, for the Chargers. I think it addresses an area of need, Matt, and I you can see the flashes there. Like He's consistently good, and he flashes great, um, and it's just can he put it together where he's consistently great. I thought he was – I thought he made awesome plays behind the line of scrimmage quite often. Um, and, I, yeah, I was I was a fan overall, and I, I think you combine that with the, the need they have there, that's a great pick. Yeah, and he's he's potentially a dominant player at the next level, uh, provided that he can get back to his to his pre injury form. I mean, he he dealt with a lot of injuries at Clemson, but to to Zach's point, you see it on the tape sometimes. I mean, he's just like whoa. I mean, he, he's he's you know in the backfield in a flash. I mean, he's cat quick. Um, you know, he dealt with a lot. Uh, you know, during his time at, at Clemson, injuries and and family things and and all all kind of different things. So um, I think it, there is a little bit of downside here from an injury perspective for sure, but there's a, there's a big, big ceiling uh, for, for Brian Breesey. If he, if he puts it all uh, puts all the injuries behind him, um, he could be, he could be one of the best in the league. Hmm. Yeah. Lots of upside. I think a lot of great potential, and I think a good landing spot too, because it, he doesn't have to be a starter right away, but he can still be an instant impact contributor. Um, so I think he's someone that I would you know bring in in nickel packages as a pass rusher um, as he continues to build strength, recover from injuries, and then I think you know going into his his sophomore campaign, you're looking at an, at a three down every day starter. Um, so I thought it was a good fit here. Um, so we'll transition from the the L.A. Chargers. Uh, sorry, Bill. We gave you all the weird quarterback situations. <laughs> you had the Jets with the Aaron feel- Rodgers debacle, and now you got the Ravens um, post Odell Beckham and dealing with the Lamar Jackson situation. So what are you doing as the GM of the Baltimore Ravens on draft day? Yeah, well, you know, I think either way, there's no quarterback at this spot that would be worth a pick. Uh, and on top of that, I do anticipate uh, Lamar Jackson eventually coming back. I mean, the man's already cost himself so much money. I might as well come back and, and play for the Ravens. So, um, you know, I, I think that eventually works out. I know he was recruiting Odell Beckham to come to Baltimore. So I, I think in the end of, at the end of the day, this does get resolved. Uh, maybe not in a situation that's satisfactory to anyone, anybody, but that that's kind of how all good deals go. Um, so with that in mind, um, you know, I know everybody's screaming for a wide receiver here. Um, and I'm not going to oblige because they've, they just signed Odell Beckham. Uh, they've got Rashad Bateman coming back. Um, and I, there's an opportunity here for the Ravens to address a position of need and poke the Steelers in the eye at the same time by taking Joey Porter jr. Um, the, cornerback group for the Ravens was decimated by injuries last year. On top of that, 
They suffer from ineffective play. You know, Marcus Peters is 32 years old. Um, they def- they they really need an, an inf- infusion of talent there. Now, Joey Porter Jr. I don't think is as pro ready as a lot of people are making him out to be. Um, you know, I, I think he's still got some glaring weaknesses in the coverage game. Um, but that said, it's hard to find corners that are that are six two with that level of athleticism. I do think there's some good things that he does. I think he's one of the best run supporting corners in. Um, you know, in, in this draft class, um, I think he has the ability to learn, you know, and it's not that he's a, not that he's bad, but he's, he's far from a finished product right now. Um, but you know, I, I think being able to get him here, um, you know, that size, that pedigree, um, I think it's a, a pretty good pick and it addresses a position of need, uh, for the Ravens that was really exposed last year. Um, so uh, Joey Porter Jr. is the pick here. I'm with the position, not with the player. Um, and I feel like if you're the Steelers and they take the if they take Joey Porter Jr., you should say you may think you're poking me in the eye, but you know, best of luck to you. At least this early in the draft. Yeah, yeah Joey Porter Jr. to me is he's got a lot of upside, um, but again, I, as the Steelers, like I would not be intimidated within the first two years of his career. I think he, he has all the tools that you want to see. He has ideal size. He has ideal speed. He has ideal length. His technique is just not very good right now. Um, he spends most of his time playing a lot of catch-up. Um, he had flashes against top-tier competition. He had flashes against Garrett Wilson. Um Back when Wilson was with Ohio State, he had flashes against Marvin Harrison Jr., um, but he's also been abused by Charlie Jones. He's also you know, not looked very good against like Central Michigan. Um, he, the reason for that is his technique is just not really good right now. Um, he relies way too much on athleticism. Um, so he's definitely not a refined prospect, but he does have significant upside. Um, I do think the Ravens would be a decent place for him to land. Um but is he going to be an immediate impact shutdown corner a la Sauce Gardner? Or we'll probably see from Witherspoon, um, Gonzalez, and even potentially Deontay Banks. Uh, he's probably not going to be in that situation. Um, but again, I think a high upside developmental prospect. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how I view him too. Um, you know, and I, I think particularly for the Ravens, I think it's it's also like a really heavy position that they need. Um, yeah. So again, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm a, I feel like I'm about the same in terms of my evaluation of Joey Porter Jr. as you guys are. Um, but I just felt like the, the, the value at, at 22 was right. If there's a team that can, yeah. that can get the most out of them, it is the Ravens though. That's yeah. True. All right. So I'm on the clock with the Minnesota Vikings at 23 and you know, they have Justin Jefferson, and that's it in their receiving room. And that's how it's going to stay, at least for the first round of the draft. Um, I think an issue that they have to address is on the other side of the ball. And they had, I mean, how many times last year did they give up like 35-plus points and had teams crawl back in the game? A lot of that stems from an inability to rush the passer and an inability to uh, make it difficult on 
of receivers. They gave I, at some point last year they had given the most cushion to receivers uh, in the NFL statistically, and that's because they couldn't cover. They they didn't they they didn't have the ability to cover, and I don't know if they've got much better so far this offseason. I know they brought in Byron Murphy, but I don't know if that solves all the ills that they've had. So I'm going to address the pass rush and the defensive line, and I, I and maybe stopping the run would have been a, a bigger priority, but I don't know the talent that's left on the defense, you know, for the middle of the line, for the defensive line with tackles. So I'm going to go with the the end and get value here. This is a player who I think can rush the passer. It was probably the most impressive tape that I had that I watched in terms of where I thought I would rank this player and then where I actually did. Um, this player chips double teams do not work. I think he's really smart. Uh, and overall, like I said, super impressive. I'm going to go with Felix and Udike Uzoma um, for the Vikings at 23. And Bill and I. A favorite of, oh, uh, of the Lucas. So Let's go. Bad. Let's go. He was my fourth ranked. Was he yours? Was he, was he your number three, Matt? Yeah, he was my number three. Oh, so nice. it was uh, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, Felix, and then Will McDonald. Nice. Yeah, I I had Felix really high. I think I had him all, also as my three. I freaking love Felix. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, I I could see him going even higher than this, but um, you know, his his tape's incredible. Uh, you know, he's got everything that you would want in an edge guy. Um, and Minnesota definitely needs it because their their defense has has sort of aged out of effectiveness. They desperately need some some help on that um on that defensive front and i think you know felix does a fits a fits a big need there nice so matt yeah, now I do love, you I, oh go ahead i'm sorry sorry yeah yeah no yeah i just wanted to say i, I mean i love this prospect he reminded me a little bit um of what i saw from cave on thibodeau that made mm. me so high on him last year um and this guy also has um the most refined set of pass rush moves in the entire class. I think he has a more diverse move set than even Will Anderson. Um, and he can beat you a lot of different ways. And I also think he is more stout against the run than some of the other top end edge rushers in this class. I think he's better than yeah. Will Anderson in the run. I think he's better than Tyree Wilson in the run. Um, so absolutely, and going to be an immediate contributor, fantastic pick by um, by Zach and, and by the Vikings here. Thanks. Now to you with the Jaguars. Yeah, the Jaguars are in a bit of an interesting position, and I feel like I'm running into a bit of the same kind of wall that you talked about, Zach, where I feel like I need to do something about the middle of their defensive line, but there's also not a lot of prospects right now that really jump out to me with like yeah i should totally take that guy at, at mm -hmm. 24 um mm. so i'm actually going to go a little bit of a, of a different route here um and we've not talked about this position often at the podcast but i will i want to fortify the middle of my secondary uh with a guy who i think can play nickel corner a guy who can play downhill safety uh really just kind of a swiss army knife that i can put into my secondary um, which has already got some talent with guys like Tyson Campbell, but you know I want to get a real bona fide premier um, secondary defender that again has that versatility, Swiss Army knife capability, great in coverage, 
great in zone coverage, man coverage, hard hitter, plays well against the run, um, sticky um, against against wide receivers. I'm going to go with Brian Branch, mm. the safety from Alabama here. I think that's awesome. He can do it all. Uh, he, yeah, he can do it all. He's nimble. He's quick. He has great ball skills. It's like he is a Swiss Army knife. Kind of reminds me a little bit of a JOK, um, but like maybe a thicker, sturdier version of JOK with the, who the Browns took two years ago. Um, yeah, I, I think he fits that defense really nicely as well because they they, ha- they do have young players in the secondary. Um, Andrew Cisco, one of them, but I, I don't know how proven they are yet. And Brian Branch, if I believe is is already he's going to be like a bona fide player the moment he steps on a team. So I think that's a, a great fit for the Jaguars. One of my favorite parts about about Branch's game is his his read and react. I mean, he diagnoses so quick, but more than that, his his reaction is speed to get to the ball. Like he's not an over he's not like a track guy or anything, but he he just is he takes really good angles. He's able to diagnose the play quickly and get to the ball fast. Um, so, you know, I, Branch is uh, well worth this pick here. Um, and, and yeah, there's a there's definitely a, a, a versatile aspect to his game. Um, you know, he's just going to be one of those defensive playmaker type guys. Uh, you're not often going to catch him out of position, though. Yeah, I think he's a good fit, and like I said, there is some some talent in the Jacksonville secondary, um, but he could play either safety position, um, and he could play nickel corner. Um, he could guard, you know, slot receivers. He can guard big tight ends. Um, you know, in today's NFL with the the emergence of the pass game, um, you probably are going to need five defensive backs on the field almost at all times, and he's he's absolutely someone who can step in right away. Um, and be an immediate impact. So um, I thought it was a good fit. And with that, mm-hmm. we will jump to Bill for the New York Giants. The New York Giants. Um, Danny Dimes, brand new contract. <laughs> Things are looking up in, in Brian Dable's uh, second year. Um, but they need a receiver uh, desperately. Um, you know, Sterling Shepard was hurt often. Um, you know, unfortunately. They, you know, had a, basically a revolving door of, of wide receivers last year. They need a bona fide alpha wide receiver. Um, so why not go to the school that, that does nothing but produce those bona fide alpha wide receivers in Ohio State with Jackson Smith and Jigba? Um, this guy, um, he was the leading wide receiver on that 2021 Ohio State team that also had Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Um, he He's... He was very productive that year. Last year, he dealt with a, a hamstring injury pretty much all year, so he was not as effective. I think it sapped his speed. Uh, if you look on on his tape, he's a pre, he's a pristine route runner, um, but he's not very fast, um, and that's going to be a big knock against him. But um, that's not really Daniel Jones's game anyway. Is those you know deep deep rainbow shots anyway? And you can find other other receivers to do that. Um, but you know, I think for, for where we're at, you know, at the back, back end of the first round, uh, you know, Jackson, uh, Smith is a really, really good value pick here. Uh, he's the best, he's the best receiver on the giants. The, the moment he, he walks on the field, um, I think it's a really good get, uh, for where we're at, uh, for, for the giants. 
I think it's a great mixture or great match between um, the play style of the quarterback and the, the skill set of the receiver. Um, like if they if you had taken Quentin Johnson here, I'd been like, yeah, maybe talent wise is a bit better, but it doesn't it doesn't match with the strengths of their quarterback, and that's half of drafting any position really. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it's like I think I even compared him to Steve the other Steve Smith in our draft profile because um, I had him ranked maybe a little bit lower than most, but it, yeah, back in New York, Steve Smith the other Steve Smith, uh, you know, similar play style I think so. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, I, I was a little bit lower on him. There's a couple other receivers I would probably look at here. Um, to me, the, the the big issue with JSN is that I really feel like he's just a slot guy, um, and oftentimes I'll, you know, if, as an offensive coordinator, I, I'll rely on scheme to get my slot guy open. Um, you know, really where I think the premier wide receivers are the guys who, you know, kind of like what I mentioned with Zay Flowers. Uh, can play on the outside. You can move them around the formation. They've got chops all over the field. Um, you know, they have a really good release. They stand up against press coverage. That was some of the things I liked about Zay Flowers. I think Jason is, he doesn't have the outside chops. He's a slot guy. However, I do think that it is a good fit, like Zach mentioned, with the skill set that, that um, Daniel Jones has. Um, sort of those inter- that intermediate passing game, quick timing plays. Um, I think Jason will be able to get open uh, across the middle of the field pretty well. Um, so I think it is a good fit, uh, though I may have looked at a couple other options uh, at the receiver position, but, you know, can't complain. I just, I mean, I, 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 I will continue to go back to the Ohio State receiver well. I'm pretty sure I picked both. Yeah, I, I, I think I've picked like every single Ohio State wide receiver in like all of these mocks. Yeah, you, you very well may have. Um, so it's not a bad place to go. Um, and with that, we will move to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Zach picking. So before. Oh, God, Matt. <laughs> Tony Pollard, is he gonna be all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm he'll so be. He's sad. he's gonna be okay. Don't worry, because <laughs> uh, I will never break the one rule of drafting running backs. Um, but if yeah. before you could have maybe considered a receiver here before the Brandon Cooks trade. I think maybe it's still an area you want to touch on, but definitely not worthy of a first round um, draft pick. Secondary is pretty solid. Stephon Gilmore, I don't think he's as well, as good as people still remember him at. He did have a good year last year, but. I think he's on the downslide, so you, you could address corner here. Could also use another person around the defensive line um, for depth, but an area that I think could be very helpful for them is the offensive line. Um, they've had injuries after injuries the last few years, and Tyron Smith is good for about 30 minutes a season. Uh, so I'm going to take someone who's who can learn from, who is also a Goliath of a human and can learn from Tyron Smith and you know, be be waiting in the wings, I guess, to take over that spot from him. But I'm going to go with Broderick Jones um, at left tackle at this point. I feel like it's kind of a luxury pick, but also addresses a need that will inevitably come up in, in the middle of the season. I think it's a good value pick. I mean, I I would be shocked if he, if he makes it this long, but I think it's, uh, you know, Tyron Smith obviously has had, you know, injury issues. He's getting up there in age. Um, you know, it's 
and and honestly, the other thing about about um, Broderick Jones is that he can he can kick into guard until he's ready. Um, you know, I, I think that's one thing that people don't really talk about a lot. But you know, Jones has the body type that he can go he can go in and play guard. He's not you know obscenely tall like that that would that would disqualify him from doing that like some of the larger taller tackles in this class. Uh, so you know, I think you plug in wherever you want on that offensive line if you want him to to take over right away at left tackle you, you could um but i think it it gives them an infusion of, of youth uh along that offensive line that that's getting a little long in the tooth yeah um i think this is an interesting interesting selection here you know when bill and i talked about broder jones i was a little bit lower on him mm. um but the unique thing that i talked about with Jones is that he could be a guy who plays guard for you for a period of time. Um, you know, he could be sort of your swing tackle early in his career. It's like, you know, anyone who gets hurt along the offensive line, one of your guards goes down, one of your tackles goes down. He steps in as a rookie and, and contributes um, as he starts to develop. I think it's going to be, he can be an immediate impact contributor, um, but in order to be a starting left tackle in this league, he's going to need a little bit of development. He's going to need to refine his footwork. He's going to need to refine his technique in terms of the way he utilizes his hands against edge rushers by not letting them get into his body. Um, but again, all the traits are there. Everything is there uh, for him. Um, so I think Dallas would actually be a really good spot for him in terms of long-term success. Nice. And now, now to you, Matt, at 27 with the Buffalo Bills, um how do you what who are you gonna take yeah um so i am in a situation where i need to do what is best for my football team what is best for my football team is not drafting Bijan robinson <laughs> thank god even though he's a, <laughs> even though he's fantastic i mean he's he's fantastic and i think he's a great prospect but i was gonna say do you are you gonna over, are you gonna spend the the 10th pick in the last three years on running backs between trades and so, no. you know signings like the bills did sorry to interrupt but no 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 you're good i am not gonna do that um and and here's the thing i'm also not gonna worry about like what anyone else is saying right now i'm not gonna worry about what pff ranks this player i'm not gonna worry about what any other mock draft has to say because here's the thing go back and watch the tape on the cincinnati Bengals buffalo bills playoff game they got absolutely demoralized and brutalized in the middle of the field in the run game uh, defensively absolutely horrific performance along the defensive line they have continuously missed on defensive linemen you just went out and you paid Vaughn Miller 60 million dollars or however much it was you've also just misfired on all these different interior defensive linemen and ed edge rushers and the reason they continue to fail is because they do not have anyone who can take up space and eat up multiple blocks. So I don't care that this player is not projected to be a first round pick. I don't care that he's the go. Don't care where he lands on PFF F sport. I doesn't matter to me at all. I need someone who can eat up blocks in the middle of my defense that can free up my linebackers to make tackles in the backfield. I need a disruptive force at the middle of my defense. So I am taking the defensive lineman uh, nose tackle, defensive end, 
defensive tackle, whatever you want to call him, uh, Siaki Ika from Baylor. I love it, Matt. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I had him tied with Brian Breesy or um, for number two, like in that same tier. I thought he was really underrated based on his tape. I think he's a complete anchor. I mean, he's not as dynamic as as either of those two guys, but he if you need it, if you need his style of play, like that's get him. I I was like impressed when I watched his tape. So good on you. I love it. Yeah, screw PFF. And I also may, yeah, I am also a massive fan of Siaki Ika. Um, I desperately hope he gets to the Steelers. Um, you watch tape of him, and he just resets the line of scrimmage on every yeah. play. Um, you know, he does an excellent job um, creating separation from the the guys blocking him, keeping his head up and finding the ball. Um, you know, he also has the awareness, too, to get his hands up um, when he knows he's not going to get there. Um, and he splits. I mean, you have to block him with two guys. You, there is no option. You cannot block him yeah. with one guy. It just won't work. Um, there was a you know the the tape that he put on against um, against Kansas State, who has a couple uh, guys, a BBs, one of them um, who are probably going to be pro players. Uh, he just pushed him around, <laughs> and um, you know that that was really impressive. I think Ika is deserving of a first round pick. I know not a lot of people are talking about it, but I would not be surprised. And I love love the fit with the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. You, you nailed it right. Yeah. Exactly like what they need, and that's and that's the guy to get it. I saw people predict him in the third round. I'm like, I don't get it. I'm watching a different player than you are. But awesome, good on you, Matt, yeah. for take for making that pick. That's awesome. I'm not falling for the trap. I'm not falling for the trap. I'm doing what's best for this team because this team needs to play playoff football. They need to play winter in Buffalo, hard-nosed defense, stuff the run. Like I'm not falling to the trap of Bijan Robinson, even though I think he's really, really good. You gotta do what's. You gotta win the trenches if you're gonna win Super Bowls. What was it about him that really stuck out to you? Like his like one defining, differentiating skill. He plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage 99% of the time. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. I mean, for, for any Buffalo Bills fans, like, we have one who's a buddy of mine, Nick Trippy. Like, send it to your to your people. Like, send send the pod, obviously, but also send, like, Ika's tape and let them watch and be like, oh, wow, this guy would be much better than Ed Oliver. This guy isn't, like, one of those, he's lean and athletic. Like, no, he's taking up two to three blocks every single play. <laughs> You know what that allows you to do? Have whatever random linebacker you have, because you don't need Trey, Tremaine Edmonds for $60, 70000000 million you know, contract. Like You just need a, a, someone to tackle somebody, and they, they don't, they're not going to be blocked. Your linebackers are not going to be blocked in the run game with Ika up front. Like It's the best thing that they could possibly do. And I don't know if you'd agree with this, Matt, and, and, and Bill as well. One of the things I saw, maybe it was just the games I chose, to, the game I chose to just scroll through with Ika, I felt like he used his hands to defend passes more so than any other player at that position yeah. in the draft. I don't know if you saw the same thing or not. I did. Love so it. did I. Awesome. This is going to age really well, Matt. Seriously. It is. It is. So we're going to jump um, to the, from the impassioned um, defense of the <laughs> Buffalo Bills uh, to Bill, who is picking for the team that beat the Bills. So lots of Bills here. Uh, Cincinnati is up. Uh, Bill playing GM. 
guys, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to take B. John Robinson no, here. No, I'm going to do it. And l- listen, listen. Samaj P. Ryan is gone. Joe Mixon is probably gone because they can save a buttload of money by getting rid of him. He's also got some legal issues going on. Quite frankly, I think he's lost a step as well. This is a team that's trying to win a Super Bowl. Um, they can afford, uh, especially given the fact that they've already addressed their need along the offensive line by signing Orlando Brown. Um, if you add Bijan Robinson to this offense that already has Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Burrow and and all this all of this talent and firepower, um, I, I think the sky's the limit. Um, Bijan Robinson can come in and, and be you know a, a, can lead the league in rushing if you want, and it also takes pressure off of Joe Burrow knowing that he does not have to be the guy that throws fifty or sixty times a game. Um, this allows the Bengals the opportunity to be able to salt games away in 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 ways that they previously were not really able to do. Um, the other thing about B. John Robinson, he's a great receiver, um, and and you know the Bengals' backs are used a lot in that way. I understand that you know this is not a this is not a value pick for sure. There's there's some depth, uh, but again, the Bengals don't pick again until uh, the very end of the second round. Most of those running backs that we're talking about, hey, we should get them in that in that you know second round range. Most of those guys are going to be gone by that point. So um, I think you can you can guarantee that you save cap by getting rid of Joe Mixon and getting rid of, uh, you know, his legal issues um, and taking a guy that's that's ready to take over and be a 25 touch per game back in Bijan Robinson. So um, I know I know he's a running back. I get it. But um, if you're if you're a Bengals team that, you know, is is aspiring to the Super Bowl and you think that this guy can can help you get there. You pull the trigger. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's hard. It's impossible not to love Bijan Robinson. We talked about in, in the running back episode, Bill. Um, that is not out yet, but will be by the time you listen to this. And we love them, but I just, I will not do the running back for front, and I will not buy into the idea of we're a running back, a player away, because that is the case until training camp happens, and then there's an injury, or week three happens, there's an injury, and then you're like, well, you know, we were a piece away, but we could have really used defensive lineman X or D or offensive lineman Y. And it's always, you're one player away in April, but when the reality of September and October hit, you're no longer one player away. And every team tricks themselves into thinking that, and every team is wrong. So that's why, you know, love the player, obviously, but, um, you know, my stance on running backs. In I, I completely understand. <laughs> and I anticipated that yeah, I, I love the player as well. I actually think, I mean, he's he's probably the best running back prospect we've seen, I mean, in a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe since like Ezekiel Elliott um, when he first came out of school. So, I mean, yeah, the player's fantastic. I have no gripes about that. He, he's like super underrated as a, as a pass catcher as well, which is something that Joe Mixon has always sort of struggled with. Um, and I think the other big appeal of what Bill's doing here is the cap space that you would save by just getting rid of Joe Mixon. Yeah. Um, yeah so it's, it's kind of a win-win from that, from that standpoint. Right. So I like it from that standpoint. Um, you know, when I think about the Bengals, 
you know, I'm always going to default to maybe adding someone in the trenches, whether it's a defensive lineman, another edge rusher. Um, you know, they lost Jesse Bates, so you know, is there an Antonio Johnson that could have fit here? Hayden Hurst is in Carolina now. Could Dalton Kincaid have fit here? So there's a couple of those that I'm like, uh, you have to like think about the opportunity cost and maybe what you're passing up. But again, I mean, this is a premier prospect. This is one of the few blue chip guys that you absolutely know is a home run no matter what happens. So, um, you know, Zach's a little bit more negative. I'm a little bit more 50-50. Bill's real passionate about it. So you're getting all three perspectives here. There it is. There it is. So, um, and with that, we'll jump to New Orleans via San Francisco. Uh, Zach playing GM for the Saints. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's a team I'm less excited to watch next year after looking at this roster. Um, receiver's an option. Uh, Rashid Shahid showed some things at the end of last year, and I feel like we had even talked about maybe the Saints being a good team for Quentin Johnson to go to in the wide receiver episode, Matt. And this is something I've thought about there, but I can't get over the lack of depth at the defensive line. And the linebacking's okay. The cornerbacks are all right. Um, I could go here, but I mean, we follow the NFL pretty closely. We have a freaking football podcast about it that produces episodes in March and April, but the players on their line, defensive line now outside of Cameron Jordan, I don't think I've ever heard of. Kalen Saunders, Daniel Nathan Shepard, Carl Granderson. Carl Granderson, it wasn't he a center fielder for the Mets? Um, uh, I, I, yes. I, or Curtis Granderson, I think. <laughs> yeah, like That's I just, I, I don't know these players, and the Saints are always in cap hell. So get someone who's going to be impactful in the trenches um, for the next four or five years. And uh, this is a tough pick because a lot of the most, the a lot of the best players are already gone. So I think I'm picking the last of the defensive linemen who can go in round one, and that's Miles Murphy. So thought he had good size, you know, good size and speed, and or good speed and strength combo. Sometimes he overshoots his target when he's when he's uh, when he's on the rush, which was which is a little awkward. He did have a play where he ran down Zay Jones behind the line of scrimmage, which I thought was super impressive. So I mean, there are some there are definitely some questions there, but I also see the skill. And for this point in the draft, I, I feel like this is is the best as the Saints can do to to help their team this year. Yeah, I think Murphy, um, you know, he's not a finished product yet in terms of his pass rush. I mean, he's not he's not bad at it at all. I'm not I'm not saying that, um, but he's he's pretty he's very good in the run game. Um, and I think he I think he pairs well with Cam Jordan. Um, you know, I, I it's going to take him a while to develop, but he's got all the tools to do so. Uh, you know, and he was never, I think his expectations, you know, you, you turn on a, an edge guy, you know, from, from Clemson, who's a five-star and you kind of expect him to just be, you know, incredible, you know, in this finished product right off the bat. I don't, I don't see that with him yet. Um, but you know, I, I think he's still growing as a player. I think his, his best, best football is probably in front of him. If he can get more, um, if he can get more uh, diverse in his pass rush moves um, and, and, you know, kind of fine tune that a little bit, um, you could be looking at a really, really good player here and, and who better to learn it from than, than somebody like Cam Jordan. Mm. 
Yeah, I like the prospect. Um, I had a second round grade on him, but you know, again, given his upside, taking him at the end of the first round, I don't have any problems with whatsoever. Uh, kind of like what Bill said, I won't add too much to it. You you definitely need um, to work with him on diversifying his his pass rush moves. He needs to get stronger as a pass rusher, but he's very good in the run game. Um, you know, not quite as good as like Felix, um, but he's got. Um, He's going to be a solid contributor against the run, something I think the Saints are going to need um, in that division. So I think this is a good fit. Nice. Bill, Eagles, second pick of the first round. Second pick of the first round, um, you know, what to what to get the team that has everything, it seems. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think – this is purely a value pick. Um, and I know I've already uh, sort of addressed sort of that edge ish um, position, um, you know, with, with Lucas Van Ness earlier. Um, but give me Nolan Smith, the edge from Georgia. Um, you know, I think he falls a little bit for two reasons. Number one, his size. Uh, number two, he's had some injury issues as well. Um, you know, he's, he's not a big guy, but if you turn on his tape, you can see how violent he is. Um, you know, how he flies all over the field. The man ran like a four, three, eight forty, which is obscene. Um, he's, he's got a lot of, of really varied moves. The urgency he plays with the burst he plays with is unmatched. He's a different player. He's a different position than Lucas Van Ness, who I, who I selected earlier. Um, he is somebody that, and I, and I mentioned that, that some of their, you know, D line and, and outside, uh, edge guys, are getting a little bit long in the tooth there. Um, they they could potentially use Nolan Smith as, as a situational pass rusher from the jump and have him grow into a every down role. Um, you know he's he's he may never be um, you know a uh, he may never be an every down player, but you know as a as a sack artist. Um, as a as a situational pass rusher, there's a market for that too. This is a double digit sack guy, um, and I understand the concerns about his size, um, and and the injuries do bother me a little bit because he plays so violently that I think he he's more susceptible to injury. But I think if you keep if you minimize his snaps, um, you know when he when when you first draft him his rookie year, um, you know I think that you're going to get a, a steal here with, with Nolan Smith. Yeah, that was one of the other options I was considering um, with Miles Murphy, but a solid, I mean, he fits kind of in that, um, the underrated or undersized linebacker. I can't remember who they took last year from Georgia who had the health problems, but kind of fit that same mold, like overlooked, um, like Kobe Dean, even the Kobe Dean, like a little undersized, but it just as a foot, like a pure football player. Yeah, yeah I, I was yeah, really, I, I was really pleased with this tape. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I think this is a good fit for Philadelphia um, because you have some of those aging pass rushers, um, a guy that kind of can kind of alleviate, um, you know, some of the burden. Uh, from some guys like Brandon Graham and um, bring him in in pass rush situations. He's also someone that I feel like you can move around a defense. He was successful stunting inside, uh, successful on twists. Um, he's someone you could even play over 
over the guard in like a standing position, almost like a, a blitzing middle linebacker. Um, so a lot of different things you can do with him, but certainly someone that, you know, get him in in pass rush situations, let him be your, you know, kind of one of your nickel edge rushers. Um, you know, I, I, I like a lot about Nolan Smith's game. Again, some concerns about his size, but he's a very brutal player. Um, uses his hands really well, so I was a big fan of his. Uh, he dropped a little bit because of the injury history um, and some size limitations, but I think once he gets into the NFL, gets on a weight program, adds a little bit of weight, adds a little bit of strength, um, he could be an every-down player. Love it. Now, Matt, to you, the the, the uh, um, defending – Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, this is a unique situation. I think the Chiefs have needs along the defensive line, but, you know, a lot of our defensive linemen came off the board. You guys have been really smart about taking the edge rushers and some of the interior linemen. So I just don't feel like there's a lot of value um, where where I'm picking right now. Um, So I'm actually going to look at um, my receiver core. So... I know we've got Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony in the middle. You know, we've got MVS on the outside. We had Juju Smith-Schuster, who's since departed, which I'm not sure whether that's a positive or a negative. <laughs> um, and obviously, you've got Travis Kelsey in the middle. When I kind of look at, um, I really need like a bona fide number one wide receiver. Um, someone with a little bit of size, someone with good speed, someone that's got, I feel like they're missing that like game breaker, that game breaking wide receiver uh, who's a home run threat on every single play. Um, so I'm probably not talking about who most of the listeners would be thinking I'm talking about because you still got Quentin Johnson on the board. You still got Jordan Addison on the board. Um, but Zach and I, if you go back and listen to the receiver episode, we were both super high on Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. Um, he was my number two wide receiver. Zach, I think he was your number two wide receiver mm-hmm. as well. This dude, um, he's strong. He's physical. He's an absolute burner. Uh, great at catching the ball with his hands. Um, needs a little bit of work on getting a little bit more crisp in his route tree. I mean, he, he didn't run a lot of diverse routes at Tennessee. Um, but he is a home run threat to take the ball to the house on every single play. Um, so while I see some guys who maybe are a little bit more heralded, like Quentin Johnson and Jordan Addison, I think Jalen Hyatt is a great fit in Kansas City. Awesome fit. Um, he, I was going to consider him next for the Steelers pick at 32. Uh, there's just so much to love about him. He's, like you said, super strong hands. He can rack up yards after the catch. Um, excellent top end speed. Great acceleration. He gets on top of defensive backs so quickly. And um, the more I watched him, the more I liked him. And he plays bigger than six foot, 175. He almost looks like he plays like 6'2", 190. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, a great fit for, for the Chiefs there and fills a, fills a, a secret need for them almost. Yeah, I agree. I, I like Hyatt a lot. Um, I'm glad you didn't go with, with Johnson. I, I maybe would have considered Jordan Addison, but, you know, that's, you know, I, I get the speed element, though, and, and that's something that, you know, MVS provides, but, you know, I think Hyatt's probably a, a much better route runner already than than MVS. Um, you know, I, I think that, 
you know, it's it, it's a team that that has a lot, but um, they they could use um, you know more productivity from the from the wide receiver position, especially given the fact that Travis Kelsey is getting up there in age, um, and you don't just you know you don't just replicate that. So the, the offense is going to continue to evolve over over the next few years. Um, so they they need to make sure that they're continuing to invest in that pass catching core. So uh, Jalen Howard's good pick here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we will move from Kansas City. Uh, we, we're all doing 11 picks, so we got two more left. The Steelers at 32 um, and the Texans at 33. So, Zach, you took Deontay Banks with your first pick mm-hmm. as the GM of the Steelers. What are you going to do at 32? Well, I will say the pressure to take Jordan Addison right now is strong. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm not even the real GM, and I can feel it. So, um, Omar Khan, good luck if this if this uh, need arises. But you look at where the value's at right now with the picks, and it's you know it doesn't really match up that great with the Steelers. It's there's the linemen, both offensive and defensive, have kind of been depleted. The value's not there. Um, receiver is there. It's they have Deontay Johnson, they have George Pickens, they drafted Kelvin Austin last year, so it's not a huge need, but you know, you look and see Jordan Addison who played with Kenny Pickett. It's uh the the pressure's there, but I'm not going to do that. And Steeler fans may not like this next pick, but I'm telling you, you will. You can hate me on draft night as the GM, but you will not hate me in December of next year. I'm going to double down on the position of cornerback, and in a in a conference that has Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, you know, yada yada, et cetera, et cetera. You're gonna you have to defend the pass. You can't have you can't have too many good corners this 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 um this uh, on your team anymore. I'm taking Cam Smith from South Carolina at number 32. He speaking of Jalen Hyatt, one of his hallmarks. Uh, one of his best games was when he defended Jalen Hyatt in the Tennessee game, and he erased him after the catch. Someone who is super dynamic with the ball in their hands. He gave he gave him cushion, closed fast, didn't miss a tackle, and shut Jalen Hyatt down for a bunch of eight nine yard gains. Uh, he lined up all over the field. He lined up in the slot. Lined up outside. He um, you know he go, he mixes it up in, in the in the run game um, a little bit. He has wide receiver hands and ball skills. And I don't remember the last time the Steelers had a defensive back that could catch. Um, and I think he makes plays on the ball and the man, which always necessarily isn't the case. So I'm gonna go and say, you know what, the values of the cornerback position. I'm going to take two of them Deontay Banks Cam Smith hey as long as as long as one of their names wasn't like Artie yeah it's not (laughs) as long as it's not Artie Burns like fine that's that's fine like they they could use it's not like they can't use it you know um you know they signed Patrick Peterson but I mean that's yeah the corpse that might have been big news in like 2014 (laughs) but Matt what what do you think Um, having looked at the corners I, I like both of the players you picked, right? Like, I like Cam Smith. I like um, Deontay Banks. So, like, I, it's, I have no issue with the player. I also don't really have that much of an issue with the strategy. Um, the only thing that I have maybe a little bit of a – I wouldn't even call it a gripe. I would just say, like, my biggest concern is protecting Kenny Pickett right now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's not a lot of great offensive tackles on the board. And you still got pick 49 coming up. So, you know, there's still something that, um, you know, you could potentially do here. But even someone who's a little bit developmental like Anton Harrison, mm-hmm. 
there's some guys on the board that maybe I would have looked at. Um, but again, you know, you mentioned it, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you, you kind of zig when other people zag. Everyone's trying to recreate it, but they're not always thinking about how to defend it. Um, so I understand the logic. I just, I'm a little bit concerned about, about Kenny Pickett's brain. <laughs> I, I totally get it. Um, I wasn't a big fan of Harrison. Um, uh, John, you know, I mean, you could look at like John Michael Schmitz, but I, who was like solid, but it, he would be like the Cole Strange of this year, I feel like, and maybe didn't deserve yeah. to be drafted that high. So it's like, you know, I feel like I know I'm getting a stud with Cam Smith. And, you know, statistically, one of them's got to work out Cam Smith or Deontay Banks. You don't really want to play like that with, with premium draft picks, but um, if they both hit, then you're, you're set for a little, for a little bit. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So awesome. Cam Smith at 32, and then we're going to round it out. Last pick of the draft. Uh, first ever be the GM mock draft with three <laughs> picks for one team. Um, so I have spent the bulk of my time with the Houston Texans. Anthony Richardson at two. Um, and then at 12, we took Zay Flowers. Um, so here at 33, um, I think we need to get someone on the defensive side of the football. There has been a guy who, even since the Edge episode, has been climbing up my rankings. Um, you know, as I continue to watch tape, uh, he was someone I originally had a second round grade on. Um, he's kind of creeping up a little bit more in my rankings um, since Bill and I did the episode. Uh, but give me Tuli Tui Piloto. The defensive end from USC. Um, I think this is a great guy to bring into uh, D'Amico Ryan's system. He has good speed. He has great bend around the edge, a la Will McDonald. Uh, he's one of the taller and longer edge rushers in this class, so kind of similar to Will McDonald, although not quite as refined. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the better prospects in the class at disengaging um, from the blocker, not allowing the blocker to manhandle him. Um, so he's got nice hands that keeps the offensive tackle away from him. High motor player. A um, lot to like about his game, and I think he's only scratching the surface of what he could be. Um, so while I had a couple other players in the edge class ranked a little bit higher than him, um, as I've watched tape a little bit more, he's starting to climb the ladder for me. So I like uh, Tuli Tui Piloto uh, from USC to round out the 33rd pick. I think it's the right position to hit. Um, if you look at their roster, it's Jonathan uh, Grenard is like the only homegrown, talented edge rusher they have. Everyone else is a cast off. How much longer is Jerry Hughes going to be any good? Um, you, there's Sheldon Rankins there in the middle. Chase Winovich was brought in this, uh, this, you know, this, um, uh, off. It's like, I, th- yes, this needs an infusion of young talent. So I like the position yeah. he attacked. Yeah. And I like the player too. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you went with him over, you know, a couple of the guys that are still on the board, you know, like, uh, like your BJ Ojolari's and, and those kind of guys. Um, I think that, um, there's, there's a, a an element to, um, to Tuli Peloto's game that's that's just a little bit different. You know, he's very powerful at the point of attack. Um, you know, he's got a very good bull rush move. He's pretty pretty advanced in that regard. Um, you know, I, I think there's a there's a good amount of upside there. Uh you know, I think he's okay in the run game. I think he needs to get maybe a little bit stronger. Um, but 
you know, for, for where we're picking here. And, and to Zach's point, the fact that they really don't have any homegrown pass rushers is is a concern. Um, so potential to be a really good player here. For sure. For sure. Well, all right. So that is 33 picks, <laughs> uh, 11 per drafter. Um, any final thoughts? This was a behemoth of an episode. It was. I love it. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, man, it, you know, I, 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 we, as we suspected, uh, tackles flew off the board early. Um, I was surprised a little bit by the slide of, of some of these guys. Um, you know, Christian Gonzalez uh, is one. Um, but, you know, I, I, think, I, think we, I think we did a pretty good job, fam. Uh, it looked pretty good. I think so too. I, I think we there's going to be many more receivers that go in the actual first round. Um, yeah, I agree. People are going to get people are going to get starstruck or sweet talked or whatever. And I think we definitely have a type of how type way of how we would all draft collectively as a pod. Yeah, um, I, at least we got one running back yeah, in there. Kind of how we. <laughs> We got one running back. We got one tight end. I was really anticipating that um, Bill was going to take Dalton Kincaid with the Cincinnati pick. <laughs> yeah, I I, that's, like, yeah, I you know, not that's... taking a tight end. Yeah, you know, I, I that, that was one of the things that I, you know, I like Kincaid, but I like Luke Musgrave a lot as well. Um, and there's even guys later. Um, I mean, it's a deep class. We didn't even bring up Darnell Washington, who's who's awesome in his own right. Like, there's there, I could see as many as five tight ends going in the second round. Hmm. Wow. Um, I I was I didn't do the edge episode with you guys, and I was surprised when I you know I did a little abbreviated scout of all the of all the players there, and I was surprised by how deep it was. I um, and I feel like I picked a lot of edge uh, for my teams. I, I was surprised it's like as deep as the cornerback, and I thought the cornerback was one of the deeper position groups that we've ever scouted. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the strength of this draft is the is the the corner class, even the defensive secondary. There's some guys beyond Brian Branch from the safety perspective that are that are going to be pretty good as well. Um, but the, yeah, the corner class, the edge class. Um, I think this is a really good defensive class. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the defensive tackles we took, Elijah Cansey, Jalen Carter, Ika, like, you know, some of these guys, Lucas Van Ness, who you can kind of classify as a couple different p- positions. Like, I think this is a good defensive class. We even talk about some of the, the talented linebackers because, like, no one drafts linebackers in the first <laughs> round anymore. Um, unless you're, you know, 2018 Kevin Burt. But... You know, like I think this is a really good defensive class. I'm not sure about all of the offensive talent. There's like spots of offensive talent that you're like, oh wow, that guy's really, really good. But there's no depth on the offensive side of the ball, in my opinion. Agreed. The, the further we get away from our receiver episode, Matt, the more I feel that this class is very, very overrated. Oh yeah, super limited. Um, who I am curious about this. Um, is there a player since we've done the first round mock? Is there a player who will go in the first round that you are just like, I can't believe that someone fell for it and took this guy in round one? 
that we selected? No, no, no. That just goes in general in the draft. Like, we have an idea of who we would take in the first round after doing this exercise. Is there anyone that a real GM is going to take in the first round who we did not take in the first round? You're just like, I can't believe that this person took this player or, or reached for him this, uh, this early. Uh, to me, I've got one guy, and I, I hate to harp on him because I feel like I always do, but B.J. Ojolari. Mm. Um, he, he could go at the back end of the first round, but... I just didn't see it on tape. Um, you know, he he's a speed rusher purely. Uh, he's not terribly powerful. He he takes big looping routes around around tackles, and sometimes it works out. But um, I was not terribly impressed with him. Um, you know, I, I think he's probably more of a second or third round guy. Um, but given the pedigree, obviously his brother Aziz is uh, is already in the NFL. Um, I I think that somebody's going to take him in the back half of the first round, and I'm not going to agree with it. Hmm. I was surprised by how many... I saw him miss a lot of easy finishes, like uh, quarterback dead to rights, and somehow the quarterback sneaks away. Not necessarily like really mobile guys either. Um, like he, he had the opportunity to take him down and just slipped away, and I saw it multiple times where I was a little concerned about. Yeah, I think the guy that, you know, Zach, you and I just spent a little bit of time talking about him, but I think Emmanuel Forbes, Mm. um, the corner from Mississippi State, is someone who's going to go at a spot that's just going to be mind-boggling to us, right? But most people, like, think that he should be going to the top 15 because he's he's an underwear Olympian, right? (laughs) But his game, you know, when you listen to the corner episode, like, we, we go through a bit of a diatribe on him. His game's just not up to the, up to that level. He's a he's a very raw developmental prospect at best at this point in his career. So it's like, mm, some but someone's gonna bite the bullet. Like it's you know Minnesota at twenty three, you know even Jacksonville at twenty four. You know some of these teams that kind of like, Ugh, I really wish you would have done that. Um, you know I think there's you know Seattle's always a team that picks like weird. <laughs> You know, like kind of like the Patriots, like the Patriots yeah. with like Cole Strange. Like yep. Seattle's been one over the the past years. You're like, what? Like, who is that guy? In the first round, that's odd. Um, so something like that's going to happen. I would also call out the linebacker position. Like these are, it's a very small linebacker class, diminutive linebacker class. Like even someone like Trenton Simpson, who I think is a very good athlete, doesn't even look like he can play linebacker in the NFL. He looks more like a safety to me. Uh, Jack Campbell from Iowa. A lot of people like PFF. He's like their number like 25 ranked prospect. Like the dude looks like he runs a 6-4-40. I don't think he can run with anybody in the league in terms of coverage. Um, he has to play in tight spaces or else he's not going to be effective. Um, I think Drew Sanders is okay. But like this linebacker class, I just don't see a lot here. But you're going to see someone at the back, maybe like New Orleans, the back half of the first round, like take a head scratching linebacker or somebody. Yeah. Let me let me just give you one give you one sleeper. He's probably going to be maybe late second, early third round as an off ball linebacker. Dorian Williams from Tulane. I don't know why I seem to like my Tulane guys so much, <laughs> but. Um, Throw a little tape on him. Um, he's he's uh, he's more of a coverage guy, uh, but he's fast. I think he ran like a four four nine. Um, he's six one two twenty eight. So he's a he's a good run and hit type guy. Um, he he I think is the type of linebacker that today's NFL is looking for. Um, 
don't be surprised if he doesn't go in the back half of the second round. Mine, the, the guy who I'll be um, surprised by, or not surprised, but disappointed in, is, and we talked about him in the corner episode, so I won't repeat too much, but Joey Porter Jr. Uh, but if I had to pick another one so I don't repeat myself too often, uh, is B. John Robinson, uh, especially if someone like the Bills take him, because the Bills took Zach, they wasted a third round pick on Zach Moss. Uh, they spent. I consider maybe wasted a pick on James Cook last year in the second round. They traded a second round pick for Naeem Hines. It's like they they the year before Zach Moss, I think they took Devin Singletary in the third round. It's like how much draft capital can you spend on a running back before you just try to go sign a guy or trade for like Christian McCaffrey a stud? Um, and if you look back in those drafts and replace those picks with, you know, linemen or receivers or, or, or something like that, it's like, what could the team look like other than that? So I think, I know I'm, that's a highly unlikely scenario, but if, if the bills take a running back in the first round, specifically B. John Robinson, I'm just being, I don't get it. I, um, I would be shocked and kind of saddened. Yeah, and that, I mean that's why I took Ika. Um, this will be kind of the last point, and then we'll wrap. But like, take like Ika is the least sexy pick that you could possibly have. But I feel like the Bills have spent the last few drafts trying to get like, ooh, he's a lean and like he's a lean edge rusher, yeah. or you know, Ed Oliver's like a, you know, he's not like big and strong like most defensive tackles. He's like a <laughs> lean speed guy, and you're like. Bro, that doesn't eat up blocks. Like that's why Joe Mixon of all people's running all over you <laughs> in a in a divisional round. Like, come on, you got to get someone. Like he's not sexy. It's not some like, you know, buzzworthy position. But like, take the big fat guy. Like, take the fat guy. Plug him in the middle of your defense. Stop the run. Win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well said. <laughs> And we should end on that. This was a hog of an episode. I think we're coming up up on up on the time of the length of the departed uh, at this point. So <laughs> thank you for hanging with us. Uh, this is one of our favorite episodes, and I hope it came through to the listeners out there. But uh, but Bill, Matt, you guys are the best. Uh, thanks for thanks for doing this every year. Appreciate it. This is a lot of Indeed. fun. Indeed. All right. Well, thank you guys, and thank you for the listeners. And uh, we'll be back probably after the draft to recap. Um, uh, everything that happened with the goings on. So we'll see you then. See you, everyone. See you, everybody.